Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Yes, welcome everybody to part two of the Auction Draft Extravaganza episode. Uh, I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, but it's like just kidding. Of course, I was not your host. If you heard part one, Brian is the host along with Michael Clifford talking all about the couple tier one auction draft. And this is being recorded after that all completed. Uh, We just decided to split the episode up. So if you're just jumping into this episode and you didn't listen to part one, that was a choice that you made. I think maybe uh, you might want to make a different one. Go back, listen to part one, then come in here and you could hear more about the draft. Brian, how are you doing? How, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, try to take us back into your mindset. How, where were you at at this point in the draft about halfway through? Were you thinking you were going to make it? I don't remember. The whole thing is a blur, like I'm sure it is for you. So whatever is about to come your way, dear listener, I truly hope you enjoy it and, and let us know. Because neither of us, I think, can remember. We're kind of dazed and confused by it all. Elon, you're going to go take a nap after this, and I would love to do the same. Right, yeah. This is our crazy once-a-year episode where we don't really edit, and we have no idea what's going to be said. And so uh, if this is your like first ever episode of Keeping Carlson, I'd recommend checking out another one to get a sense of what our regular fare is. We'll have a bunch of new cool episodes coming to you uh, next week. And then into the season, we're going to have a, a huge lineup of amazing episodes every week from myself, Brian, and then Ben and Lewis and Dave Benton, you know, like keeping you up to date with everything you need to know to be successful in your fantasy leagues. So uh, for now, let's get back into the couple tier one auction draft hosted by Brian and Michael Clifford from Dauber Hockey. Enjoy the rest of the show, everybody. Hey, Brian, That's did you heat. guys talk about uh, Landeskog? I'm interested no. to get your take there. That was uh, no. another injured guy that's like, how do you decide how much to bid like Pacioretty? Yeah, thanks for bringing him up. Uh, $17. I did raise an eyebrow at $17. Gabe Landeskog. That's $15 less than he went for last season. $32. He's injured. Uh, Elon, I don't know if you're around to share. I, I don't know what I haven't looked up his status. Um, in the last couple of days. So I'm not last sure thing what I said. Last thing I saw is just like, he's not, they don't know when he's going to skate. Like yeah. They he's just not even don't know. For skating yet. Mm. So, and, and they're, and they're not being forthright about what the actual injury is. I, I think they're still just saying lower body, right? Yeah. I, there's, yeah, there's been no specifics and it's concerning. Is it? I mean, I, I guess if I compare him to Jason Robertson, who's, uh, like, I would say, let's see, uh, Landis Gog in the Cupful. I mean, he wasn't injured at the start of draft, so his his ADP is going to be a little skewed. Um, Landis Gog, 37 or 38th overall, compared to Robertson, who's going 43rd overall, uh, who went for $29 in this draft, compared to Landis Gog, 17. We don't know for sure when either one is going to be in the lineup. There's a, like, a lot that we just can't possibly know, because it hasn't been, pu- like, they're not talking about it publicly. How do you feel about carrying, being ready to carry Landis Gog and then having him at your disposal, assuming he gets healthy before long? It's really hard. It, like, Mike, this, I know this is a hard question. We don't know. Like you said, we're like, it's completely opaque, his injury situation. So how would you approach him in your draft? I mean, I, I think at the absolute most right now, you have to protect him for no more than 70 games, right? Like we're into October now. 
if he's not even cleared for skating, can you expect him back this month? Like I'm not like I already have him downgraded to seven to 70 possible games. And then what if it's longer than that? What if it's only 60 games? I like, I think if you can get him for 60 games, let's say he comes back sometime around American Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit later. I'm like that, you know, that's, I'm just assuming here. I, I don't have any information. Certainly then that's that price is just fine. You know, it's just, I look over, I see Pavel Buchnevich go for a little bit less. I was going to ask you. Yeah. yeah. Buchnevich, you know, probably top line, top power play unit. Um, He's not a monster peripheral guy, certainly like Landis And I think that's why his price is fairly muted. But if you're asking me today, would I rather have a $17 Landis or $15 Buchnevich? It'd be a $15 Buchnevich. But again, like, you know, it could be tomorrow that Landis is cleared for skating. And then in a couple of weeks, he's cleared for contact. And then, you know, he's back in the lineup for Halloween and you have him for 70 games. And then that price is just fine. It's there. It it is just a big gamble to take. Um, I, I guess it would have to go hand in hand with how you'd feel about the rest of your roster, whether you could survive, you know, four five, six weeks without him. Um, right. I, it, it, it's just when I see Bushnevich go at that price, it, it, it kind of sets the expectation for Landis Gog and, and what I'd rather have. Yeah. And we also saw Reinhardt go for $16. So he and Bushnevich both going about 40 spots uh, behind Landis Gog. And some of that was healthy Landis Gog. Some of that was injured Landis Gog in our ADPs. Uh, and these guys are healthy and ready to go from the start. And uh, in a in a league like Tier One, I think I I would prefer those guys to Landeskog rather than unknown. But Tom uh, Tom Crowhurst out of Belleville making making his best uh, his best attempt to uh, I, I guess he's calling his shot that he's going to survive without Landeskog for a little while. Uh, yeah, he just wrote in the chat playoffs, baby. Tom, can I share? Am I allowed to share anything about your day job? I, I should go look at what you wrote in the. Um, yeah, you're in, good in the survey. Okay, yeah. So John actually works with um, with uh, as a strength and conditioning coach. With I guess I, I'll let you be specific if you want. With a minor league affiliate of an NHL team has like built their gym, works to train players. Is also an outreach worker, like with mental health crisis response. So like a really. Uh, and also a fantasy hockey star. So we have like a, a lot of hats. Tom wears a multi-talented player, a uh, fantasy manager, person, a multi-talented person. Um, so, and Matt, you're, or sorry, Tom, you're just feeling super confident in, uh, in your abilities here, or are, are you, are you sweating this a little bit? No, I'm good. I, uh, <laughs> great, great off days, playoff schedule. We'll be, we'll be fine. Uh, put him on the IR and uh, waiver wire until then. And he's going to be back by November. So no, no worries there. And uh, Cliffy taking Buchnevich over Landeskog. Stanley Cup winner, my friend. <laughs> uh, I mean, we both, so, to be fair to Mike, we both we both took Buchnevich over injured yeah. Landeskog. Are, are you guys both in tier one? <laughs> okay. All right. Tom uh, Tom is, a, is an elite fantasy manager and trash talker uh, who... Is uh, like Tom, you've said, uh, what did you say here? I'm just looking through your survey that you didn't, you didn't get to prepare much for this. You're worried about Elon and Mark and Matt, you, me and Matt were in a tier together last year um, when I, where I got just completely wrecked by you both. Um, and your, your motto is be better. <laughs> Are you being your best self so far? Like, and you've had an interesting, like you started in tier five, you got to tier three. Then you jump to tier one, 
And then uh, you blamed it on COVID. And I'm, I'm going to let that stand that you dropped down to tier two. Now you're back in tier one. And you, in uh, when we first were able to track who the top, thanks to Kevin Bear, the top performing teams across the whole Cupful were, your name is always at the top. So you know what you're doing. How are you feeling as we're on break here from the draft? How are you feeling about, uh, about your situation so far? Um, sorry, before I let you answer, I'm just going to McDavid, Yosey, Fleury, Riley, Jack Campbell, Claude Giroux, Uyghur, Landeskog, and Kopitar is, uh, is the team you've assembled. How are you feeling about it? I feel good. I, I honestly didn't think I would get a lot of those upper echelon guys after paying so much for McDavid. Typically, I'm not a studs and duds type of person. Uh, I follow me and Marcus talk sometimes about just trying to find value, and we tend to be sort of that middle pack, but uh, decided to change up the, the system this year. I have McDavid in a bunch of other leagues, so I figured I would go Hail Mary and throw it all in. But no, feeling good. Uh, the fact that I got goalies at a little bit cheaper there, I feel good about that and uh, a little bit of a swing with Campo, but I think playing on Edmonton, you should be good. Yeah, I like, uh, I, I mean, if Campbell pans out, I think, well, you you got him for less than Merz Lickens, if I'm remembering correctly, and maybe less than, uh, like a shade less than Bennington too. So uh, like, you know, you didn't pay the most for that tier of goalie, which could help you out. Um, another pick that I wanted to talk about with you, which was it? Oh yeah, your Morgan Riley pick. Um, I'm just looking up on my spreadsheet how much you paid for him while having typos like mad after control F oh, 24 bucks. I think that's really good value considering he went for a few dollars less than several other guys who I'd have like similar, similarly tiered. Like I I've said in the past that Morgan Riley is not a 70 point defenseman because the last time he did it, he scored 20 goals, but last year he showed us that he could do it without scoring 20 goals. He's on just like, I mean, Matthew, if Austin Matthews is going to score 60 to 70 goals, that's a lot of assists on the table there for Morgan Riley. Um, that's one of my favorite picks of yours on the day. Do you have anybody that you really like the most or, or on the other, on the other hand, regret? seems like you're uh, a guy with no regrets. No, I, uh, I don't typically have any regrets. I think the Morgan Riley was a good rebound for my Yoshi overspend. I, I think I, uh, went a little bit too much there, but uh, I still believe in Yoshi and I think Nashville is going to be a team that, um, that do, do, does well, even though everyone's kind of fading them this year. And um, no, I have, I have no regrets. I'm feeling good. And do you, now that you've built a gym for, I mean, I said you were from Bell, you're drafting from Belleville and that you work for a minor league affiliate of an NHL team. So I, I think it's all out there. You said you built a gym. Anybody who's building a gym, do you have any, any gym building tips for the, uh, for the people out there? Don't do it. It's a stressful, uh, stressful two months. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's been good. I've moved away from, uh, I'm still helping out with the Belleville Senators, but myself, the the main strength and conditioning coach at Belleville Senators, as well as uh, my co-owner with the business up at Ottawa, uh, put that together and we were working with about 72 athletes this summer. So um, busy, 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 busy. Yeah. And I see you, uh, you've, uh, oh yeah, I see you're in Prince Edward County now, which is just a hop, skip and a jump from Belleville. Um, so that's a beautiful place. How nice. I hope you have some nice scenery. Nice yeah, common scenery you. as you as kudos you to kudos to whoever got uh, Timmy Stutz because he is going to be an absolute <laughs> player this year. My favorite thing about knowing you, Tom, is uh anytime there's a sends call up, you, like you send me a note and you just let me know like how jacked you are for them. Um and like I, I love how that. jacked how jacked they are. 
already <laughs> hijacked. You've helped them get. Uh, that's uh, and we have just speaking of sins, we have Josh Norris on the board here. So I love I love your your Jimmy Stew call. Uh, I see you went with Giroux, who you've had. Uh, you know, of all the sins you've worked with, I assume he hasn't been one of them, having been fresh and old. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your 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 thoughts here. Any any parting words or parting shots? Got to get back to this because my guy Nori's on the board. So okay. Also, fun fact about Tom: Elon thinks he looks like Wayne Gretzky. There's a there's another little uh, for visual for those prime listening. prime Wayne Gretzky. To be fair, <laughs> prime Wayne Gretzky. Uh, a good thing to clarify. Josh Norris goes off the board for twelve bucks to Elon. Tom's Tom, you're nodding your head. I just I need you to tell me that that wasn't because you spent too long chatting with me. <laughs> oh, I was in the middle. I was Elon. It was very good. I was a goodbye. I was in the middle of uh, complimenting you and bidding on your guy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, yeah, that's a pretty. So I. I noticed that Josh Norris, that's only $2 more than he went for last year. And I feel like his value is definitely higher. We saw Drake Batherson go for $2 less than last year. And his value is definitely higher, except for the fact that he has yet to um, like publicly make any clear attempt to clear his name from the Hockey Canada sexual assault scandal, which I, I think is obviously turning several people off for, for just, uh, this is not an allegation. This is just, he hasn't, he hasn't offered any clarity, um, which is is hard to work with. So I assume that has something to do with his value. Um, but interesting that these sins are still affordable for the most part. I'm looking at, uh, I mean, Tom mentioned that he liked the, the Stutzla grab for 15 bucks, which is just, uh, it's still, it still seems pretty reasonable. You know, if Buchnevich is going for 15, that seems pretty good for Stutzla. Uh, Bo Horvat has just gone off the board to Mark for five bucks. Honestly, I have, to, I have no idea what to make of Horvat. Just like the, oh, wait, it's my turn to nominate. Sorry, but I was going to say the Canucks were saying they're going to run three lines. And so I would assume that would put Horvat as like the center of line three, right? Yeah, or line two. Like I, I kind of, my my imagining of Vancouver, um, gamedaytweets.com, if you want to see like all the latest line combos and NHL news. Thanks to Shams, Benamore, uh, a tier four or tier three manager. I, I should get that straight for the next show. And Elon for consistently getting all the latest news and lines uh, freshly posted to gamedaytweets.com. I, my sense of the, of the Vancouver lines is they're going to have their top line. I don't know. Actually, I was going to say, I think, I feel like it's going to be pretty evenly distributed. Like if you look at the winder, wingers up and down the lineup in Vancouver, the only one you really want to get with is Besser. And then you might really want to get with Kuzmenko too. But outside of those guys is like, I would say if you're not playing with either of those guys, maybe that's saying too much about Kuzmenko. Um, I don't really want you as a center. So in that, unless you're JT Miller or Pedersen. So Horvat, I think is going to need someone to produce with. We'll see if he gets that, but there's not a lot to go around there. At yeah, Mike, what do you so, think? I'm curious to know what you think of Horvat. I have him available in a different draft. Is he like going to continue his numbers, or do you think that you know, as there's more centers there, does his value go down? You know, I don't, I don't mind him at five dollars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm I was not, curious. I'm, oh, yeah. he's not. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm not excited to draft him though. Like he's someone I am passing over in a lot of my drafts. He's never dropped to the point that I'm like, I need to take Bo Horvat here. Yeah, 
No, I, I was just going to say, I, I think the three center issue is, is a good one to bring up, but they, it, they kind of had that problem last year too. It was the same thing last year as well, right? Like when all three guys were in the lineup, they could effectively run three lines and, you know, Horvat still skated, I think 19 minutes a game last year. Um, I'm looking at his um, monthly breakdown. He didn't have a single month under 18 minutes. So I, I think where, you know, he plays in most all, you know, every phase for Vancouver, he's still going to get his ice time. You know, maybe he can find some chemistry with McKayev. I know McKayev is injured, but when he gets back and he's healthy, uh, maybe those two guys can can kind of find something together. And certainly for $5, um, it's not something that's going to sink your team if, if all he does is put up 55 points or something like that. I, I think for, the, for if it was like a, a $13 bid or a $14 bid, I think it'd be something different. But um, down at five bucks, I think it's just fine. Uh, big alert here. Big news flash. Breaking news. Lewis Ezekiel has added his fifth player. Everyone else has at least seven and as many as 11. Lewis has now added his fifth player. Thomas Shabbat goes for five bucks less than his value last year at twenty one dollars. Uh, so, Lewis, I'm just checking your budget here. Seventy five dollars. Lewis holds the hammer. He has got the most budget remaining but also the fewest players drafted. So, you know, there's a there's a two-side situation there. We're seeing a few interesting Digo. We saw Haskinen go for $19 to Max. We saw Dobson go for $15 to Brendan, which I, I really like that value. Like Dobson ripped it up last year once he was allowed to sort of perform and be himself. Uh, I think I thought he was fantastic. And I'm comparing him to someone like Wierenski who went for 27 or even Haskinen who went for 19. I think that's fantastic value there for Noah Dobson at 15 bucks. Rasmus Dahlin went for $18. Even Dobson compared to Dahlin, I like there. And uh, our namesake, Eric Carlson, goes for $10 to um, Lori um, for a couple bucks more than he went last year. And uh, I'll name a couple more and I'm going to throw to you, Mike. Owen Power just went for $6. And Drew Doughty goes for uh, $6 to Joel. And Drew Doughty goes for $16 to Lori. Again, so building, uh, making making some decor moves over there. Mike, uh, you want to pick one of those moments or, or a theme there to comment on? Yeah, I, I think the defensemen that have gone off the board of late are, are kind of interesting to compare. Like, I agree with you on Noah Dobson at $15. I think that could be end up being one of the better defense values in the entire draft. Um, in a multi-category format, he's my number 11 defenseman on the board. Wow just ahead of Wierenski and Dougie Hamilton. And, you know, Hamilton went for, I think it was $31 over, you know, over, yes. twice, over twice his price. Now I, I understand Dougie Hamilton probably could score more goals and goals are, are, are certainly worth more in this league, but you know, it's not as if Dobson is just some 50 point defenseman. He can put up 200 shots. You can put up a hundred blocks, you know, those triple digit hits and blocks like he performs across the board. There are concerns with the Islanders um, as a team. Um, you know, if they kind of fall on their faces, maybe he doesn't uh, do, uh, you know, do so well this year. But I think we saw him take that step forward this year. Fifteen dollars, I think, is a great, great price for him. And um, Haskinen at 19 is is interesting to me. I wrote at, at Dauber Hockey over the summer. I kind of compared Haskinen to Victor Hedman and Hedman's early career uh, trajectory. Like Hedman wasn't very good on the power play for the first, you know, four, five seasons of his career. 
Um, and then he became obviously the, you know, one of the focal points of the Tampa top power play. And he's just turned into an absolute monster. And I'm wondering if Haskinen is ready to run that top power play for 82 games this year, or if we don't see him being spelled off, you know, maybe by Ryan Suter every once in a while or, or something like that. Like Haskinen is one of those guys where if he ends up like the number six or seven defenseman in fantasy, I wouldn't be surprised. And if he ends up like the number 24 defenseman in fantasy, I wouldn't be surprised either. I think there's a lot of volatility here. It just depends how he meshes along with that power play. If they can kind of be seamless with that power play with, you know, uh, taking out Klingberg and putting in uh, Haskinen, if it's relatively seamless, um, I think $19 is a great price. And then finally, uh, Drew Doughty at $16. Um, all you're hoping for with him is health, right? Like he missed over the half the season last year, but he's running the top power play unit. Um, the defense is going to be healthy again, but he's probably still going to play 24 or 25 minutes a night. Um, he can still put up pretty good peripherals. Like he won't be like a monster uh, with peripherals, but I think they can be similar to what Noah Dobson puts out. Um, and they're going for, you know, roughly the same price. Doughty went for a dollar more. So, you know, I think that's an interesting triumvirate there uh, that Doughty, uh, Haskin and Dobson all going within $4 of each other. I think they all have a lot of upside from that price. And I don't really see a ton of doubt downside from any one of them. The one I would be worried most about would be Haskin. And if that power play, you know, kind of falters early on, does he hold on to that role? But as long as he does, um, I think that those are all really good prices for those three guys. This is sort of the part of the auction draft where you do, you hope that, you know, you kind of hit that mushy middle where you're finding guys who are going for relative bargains because people have spent their money. Of course, the risk you take by waiting this long to build your team and having that cash left over yourself is that there's enough left over for you to build with. But I mean, I think we're seeing, you know, we, we are at that point in the draft where you're seeing some guys who are like, whoa, you know, I wish I might have saved my money. For him, we have Rupe Hints going for $13. Nick Suzuki going for 7 is pretty good. Trocek going for 12 Did I, I miss all- something with Giordano? Is there some news? He just went for 7 and I thought he was like a $1 guy at best. Like, did, did they get announced that something about Giordano or am I missing oh, something? Lewis has mentioned it. Lewis just wrote Leafs Power Play 1 question mark after Giordano. I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything come to my eyes on it. My no, guess. Lewis is kidding. I, yeah, no, I got... Oh, he's I, kidding. I, I got Giordano out of free agency a couple times last year. Okay. Well, Max Max has clarified just a personal fave. He still has faith. Honestly, I think like, you know, what we would expect from Jake Muzzin in past years, we could see out of Giordano I, this I year. That, he... I think that's a pretty good comp is, you know, maybe, you know, you were not expecting Giordano to put up 65 points, but if you can put it up 35, 40 points, you know, two shots per game. You know, he can put up two blocks per game, well over a hit per game. Um, He might not have the raw points upside, but he's definitely going to bring in peripherals and he's going to be some guy, as long as he's in the lineup, he's going to contribute week after week, even if he's not putting up a ton of points. So that's why I think that $7 is fine, especially with some of the injuries the Leafs blue line have had. You know, I know they just signed Rasmus Sandin, but there are still a couple injuries there. Maybe he plays a little bit more earlier in the season. I think $7 is perfectly fine for that. Lucas uh, Lucas Raymond has gone off the board as Lewis's sixth player after everyone had added at least their eighth. Uh, I could have seen that one coming a mile away, Lou. Good job adding, adding your boy, Lucas Raymond, who, Mike, had a really... Um, well, okay, so I drafted him last year felt 
really frustrated with him after a few games. So, okay, maybe it's not happening. Dropped him. He went off for the next 20 games. But after that, he really still was not doing a whole lot the rest of the way. Like he was not consistently producing, I think was barely rosterable except for the upside that we hoped existed. How do you see Lucas Raymond? Do you see him finding some kind of consistency this year? Like he's in a good spot in Detroit. Is it enough for you to want to invest in him in your drafts? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, I was, uh, I was talking on a, on a betting pod over at Stochastic and NHL, which is another one of the websites I work at. I was talking with my podcast partner. We were talking about uh, Lucas Raymond and Seth Jarvis both. Um, I think he saw it from Seth Jarvis last year. Like there were times where Jarvis was either on the fourth line or a healthy scratch, right? Um, as a rookie, as a teenager, it's really tough to find consistency, especially where Carolina was a cup contending team. Um, tough to find consistency for him. I don't think that's something, you know, too outlandish for a guy playing his first full season as a teenager in the NHL. Um, I don't think it's outlandish to expect. And with how that compares to Raymond is like, maybe if Detroit was three lines deep, four lines deep, you know, were a cup contender, maybe uh, Raymond wouldn't have stayed on the top line the whole season, which is what kept enticing fantasy players. But um, he's, a guy a lot of people were very high on when he was drafted. He just had a pretty good rookie season, if inconsistent, but pretty good. Um, looks like he's going to be top line, top power play still. Like, I, 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 I know what you're saying that he he really didn't bring it, you know, consistently all year long. But I think you kind of have to give him a break for not only the team that he played for, but you know, his first year in the league, being a teenager. Um, you know, you do, it, it is a big, big difference having to play 82 games across six months, especially with all the stops and starts last year too, right? Like, let's not forget, like it wasn't a normal regular season last year for anybody either. So I think maybe that um, could have hurt him a, a little bit as well. I, I don't have any concerns for Raymond this year. Like I'm not, not expecting 40 goals and point per game or anything like that, but I'm certainly expecting um, a 30 goal, 65 to 70 point season from him. Um, especially where if he, he should be able to stay on that top power play, even though Detroit got a little bit deeper with their acquisitions. Yeah, that Detroit top power play unit is a big, big topic of conversation. You don't want to end up with the guy who's left off it because at five on five, uh, they likely, I'm assuming that same person won't be on line one, which is not where you want to be in Detroit, offline one and off power play one. Yeah, um, that's why I just want to talk about one other guy. Uh, yeah. Jay- Vrana went for $7. Um, that's my concern with Vrana this year. And it's been my concern with him basically his entire career. Like if you look at his numbers for his, his career, he's one of the best five on five goal scorers in hockey, like just period flat out. The problem is, is that he's constantly stuck on second and third lines. Um, he's rarely on top power play units. Obviously he was hurt quite a bit last year, but he looks healthy this year, but it doesn't look like he's at least to start the season, he's not going to be on the top power play unit. So that's another problem uh, with Vrana is like, if he's on the top line, top power play unit playing 18, 19 minutes a night, I think this guy scores 40 to 50 goals. But the problem is unless there's injuries or unless he really, really forces the coach's hand, he's not going to get there. And that's why you're still seeing um, such depressed ADP and prices on him. Um, even though he does have that tremendous upside, it's because it doesn't so, doesn't seem like any of the coaches he's had uh, believe that he he has that upside, or or maybe they just don't want to play him that much for because of other deficiencies in his game. I, I think seven dollars perfectly fine to pay for a guy that, if healthy, could get uh, to thirty goals. It's just 
he's going to have his upside capped until he gets that huge ice time and power play increase. Yeah, Vrana and and, Ma, and Vrana and Manta traded for each other. Have that same sort of narrative going where they can't seem yeah. to win over a coach. Uh, and we thought it was Jeff Blaschel's problem, but you know, as as it as these guys move to other coaches and other teams, it's like, oh, maybe maybe we owe. I mean, Jeff Blaschel, I think probably deserves some critique, but maybe not as much for for this as we thought. Okay. Um, Mike, I have a growing queue of players that Elon wants your takes on. He's messaging me on the side saying that he'd like your thoughts on some of his picks and some of others. Elon, do you want to, do you feel, do you want to come on and ask yourself or do you want, are you busy and you want me to ask? Uh, well, one, okay. I'll just ask the first one, but I was quote, like there was a quote in the chat that I just wanted to get your thoughts on our namesake of the podcast, uh, went for $10 and necessary cynicism, cynicism in the chat said Carlson at 10 is the dark horse best pick. Don't at me. So I was curious, like everyone talks about like Brent Burns going to Carolina and how this is like really exciting for him in a new situation. Is there anything to like Carlson? Remember when Carlson came to San Jose and we were like tearing our hair out of like, how can they have Burns and Carlson? Who's like, what are they going to do? And now finally Carlson gets to be back in that same position he was in Ottawa as the clear offensive defenseman. So yeah, I'm curious to get your take there. I think when Carlson was healthy last year, we kind of saw him not necessarily reclaim the form that he had five or six years ago, but come pretty close to it. Um, He was definitely one of the engines that kept that team scoring, uh, even though they weren't playing well uh, for most of the season, certainly not outside the top line. The issue with him just comes down to health. And that's been the case for him for for quite a while now is if you can get 70 games out of Eric Carlson at at $10, I think he blows the doors off that value. The problem is, is he going to play 70, 75 games or is he going to play 50 to 55 games? And then, you know, if he gets hurt at the end of February and you don't have him for your head to head playoffs, um, then he's of almost no value to you. Um, That's just kind of my problem with him is, is I think if he can stay, if he can pull a Chris Letang and start getting healthy and play close to a full season, I, he, he he has 60-point upside in him, even on a team that might not score a ton of goals. Um, the problem, and it's just because he's so involved and such so good in transition, and his playmaking is so, so you know, perfect, I want to say. Um, he's just that good. The problem is, is can he play 75 games? That is, that's the only real concern I have from him. Um, you know, guys are guys are injury prone until they're not. That's why you saw Chris Latang go for so much earlier in the draft. Um, if Carlson can stay on the ice, I really do like that for ten dollars. It's just a matter of him actually playing those games. Could be a great steal for sure. So, Mike, Elon, and I are drafting against each other in another league right now, and I I was making a choice between John Klingberg and Eric Carlson, and I called my shot before uh, when we decided to well. I said whichever one we didn't take, Elon would. And uh, I ended up taking Klingberg. And I don't know if Elon would have. Uh, Elon, you might be ready. I would have taken it. Carlson over Klingberg. Right. But if I took Carlson, would you have taken Klingberg? He wasn't on my, Klingberg wasn't on my radar for that Okay. Pick. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, so I, I like Carlson's upside. I really like Klingberg. It was a gut call. Like my, my head was saying Carlson. Uh, but of course, coming back to all those injury troubles and how droppable he can be sometimes. Who who are you feeling between Klingberg and his new situation versus Carlson and his semi-new situation? I mean, just for, you know, not that Klingberg has a, has a clean bill of health, you know, every season that he's played, but he's been certainly been more consistent uh, in b- being able to play most of the season than Carlson has. Just for that reason, it would be Klingberg is 
Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, be playing Eric Carlson right up until Valentine's Day. And then all of a sudden he pulls a groin and he's out for six weeks or something like that. And then I have to go run and, and go find a replacement for him at, at, you know, the crunch time of the year. That's that's probably the only reason I would go with Klingberg. But if he told me both guys are going to play 75 games this year, um, I would say on a per game basis, Carlson would be the better player. Uh, in this format, again, you know, not to sound too redundant, but it just comes down to his health. That's, yeah. that's the only thing that really scares me. Yeah, that's it. And also, if he plays, like last year, I feel like, I mean, I loved, I had him on a couple teams and I loved when things were rolling, but there were times he was in the lineup and things weren't rolling. And I feel like he also has this tendency to play at less than 100% health, which is frustrating because then he's doing a lot of nothing for you and not you know, getting any better. I'd rather he just take a seat when he needs to. Uh, Elon was also asking about um, Alex Tuck, who uh, I'm just trying to grab. Uh, yeah. Uh, Elon, you said there's been, I didn't see the love for Tuck, but Tuck went for $9 to Mark. Uh, he's someone I actually really liked going into my cupful draft, but when the opportunity came for me to draft him, I couldn't totally pull the trigger. And then I saw in training camp that he's not, He's not been practicing, at least the last lines I saw on inside the top six. He's kind of like getting the Fiala treatment, which surprises me. And I don't know if that's something to not react to. <laughs> um, you know, that's just one of those classic things that, yeah, this is camp. We're going to look past it. How are you feeling about Tuck this season? Yeah, I, I'm kind of worried about um, his upside this year because I... I think I, along with a lot of people, have Jack Quinn on the top line on the top line playing with Thompson uh, and Skinner. And I believe Quinn and Thompson played together in the preseason game last night. So I suspect that, you know, it'll be kind of like that Lucas Raymond situation where Buffalo's not quite deep enough yet offensively, where if Quinn struggles, like where they can just healthy scratch him or something like that, I think they're gonna allow him to play through the struggles. And that keeps Tuck off the top line. Now I do think Dylan Cousins is a, is a guy that looked much better as, as the year went on last year. And I think him and Tuck kind of like in a, in a second line, you know, pseudo shutdown line situation could do real well together. But I would clearly rather have Tuck playing alongside Skinner and Thompson uh, than um, somebody like, you know, um, Asplin <laughs> and Cousins or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know I mean... mean- the pause in you having like gathering the names to say like speaks for itself. Right. I was just trying to think of the left wingers after Skinner and I saw they moved Casey Middlestat to the left wing. And I was like, well, they're not going to put Middlestat with cousins and tuck. At least I don't think so. And I was trying to figure out who else is still there. And I was like, uh, I guess Asplund. Um, but that, that would be the problem, right? Is like, if he's not playing with the top end offensive players, can he get to 60 points or something like that or 55 points? Like, I, I think there are definite concerns there um, unless, you know, Jack Quinn completely just falls on his face and, and they shove him down to the third line or something and promote Tuck. I think that's what Tuck owners are hoping for. Whether it happens, we'll have to see. I'm pretty high on Jack Quinn. Uh, like, I'm not too, too concerned about that. Yeah, I guess the thing is, like, there's so many pieces in Buff- move- that are moving in Buffalo, and unfortunately, Tuck is one of them. <laughs> like, that's, you know, there's a couple guys who aren't moving, like Thompson and Skinner, and it seems like Middlestad is more or less set to on the second line. Um, it would be nice to see Tuck be a little more static. And then the last question, by the way, I-, I am keeping an eye on the YouTube chat. So if anybody wants to take on a player taken or anyone in the draft, like Elon wants a live take on a, on a player as well, but a, a couple more players I'm going to throw at you. So Elon has added 
uh, two cheap centermen, one Ryan Hartman for $4 and one Nick Suzuki for $7. I mean, I'll give you my quick thoughts on Hartman, even though Elon wants yours. Um, my quick thoughts are that uh, I think that's a good season. I'll take yours. Okay. I, like, I, I like it. It feels like there was another guy who went for about $4 who was always like, yeah, we, we, I can't remember who, but it was like, we don't know where he's going to land, but if he lands in a good spot, that's a good price to pay. And I, I feel that way about Hartman. I, I get the sense he's going to start the year playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence he's going to last through the year there, but I think even if you get a few weeks out of him on the top line at $4, like if you can get a few matchups out of him there, I think you've gotten your money's worth and you can move on happily. If he gets bumped down the lineup, my only hope would be that it's like a merciful bump. It's not like, Oh, is he on? Is he off? He plays a game on, you know, keeps you from dropping him and then two games off and then, Oh, he's back on again. I wouldn't want to see that happen with Ryan Hartman, but I can see, you know, I can see Marco Rossi or Matt Boldy getting a look um, on the top line and that potentially bumping out Hartman and then Suzuki. I I think I've said a lot on him. So I'm going to, I'm going to step aside completely for your desired takes from Elon on Hartman and Suzuki. Yeah, I think with Hartman, I I know why people are concerned. Obviously, career highs pretty much across the board for him last year. Um, The one thing I will say about Hartman is that he wasn't reliant on the power play for his production, right? Um, I think he only had one power play goal all of last season, and he still scored 34. Um, He was a guy that earlier in his career loved to shoot a lot, but he wasn't getting a lot of ice time, so he didn't have the raw shot on goal numbers that look that look great um now that he's getting a lot more ice time um you're seeing him put up you saw him put up you know 230 240 shots or something like that nearly three shots per game i think you see him get you know 25 goals um you see him get over 200 shots again if he doesn't get the power play one time it's not a huge concern obviously you do want him to play with zuccarello and caprizov um, as much as possible, but I agree with you. I think he might end up uh, sliding down to the second line, but even if he's playing with Goodrow and, and Boldy or something like that in a more uh, of a sheltered role, I think that's perfectly fine for him. Uh, like at that price, like you're not at $4, you don't need him, you know, to go out and repeat last season and, and go get 34 goals again. Um, you know, even if he scores, you know, 20 to 25 and puts up 50 points with over 200 shots, I, I think you'll take that at a price of $4. So I think you might see some pullback as he's moved around the lineup this year, but not enough where $4 looks like, you know, an overpay or anything like that. I think that's just perfectly acceptable with Suzuki. It's just a matter of how they run their lines. Right. Cause I think you definitely want him playing with Cole Caulfield. Um, I just kind of worry. I kind of worry about an ice time pullback. He was playing a ton after Martin St. Louis took over last year, like 20, 21 minutes a game fairly regularly uh, over the final third of the season. You know, now that they got Kirby Doc, Christian Dvorak in the lineup, um, obviously they don't have a lot of great wingers, but they have a lot of, you know, decent wingers. Like you have Brendan Gallagher, you have Joel Armia, um, Jonathan Drouin looks like he's healthy. You have Mike Hoffman, not good defensively, but can still score. Like, I, I wonder if that you don't see a little bit more of a spread out ice time. And I that's my one concern about Suzuki this year is that he's not playing 21 minutes a game like he was towards the end of last season. Is that maybe it's closer to like 18 or 19. And for that reason, you see a little bit of pullback. It would be nice to see the power play turnaround. Um, whether they can do that under Martin St. Louis remains to be seen. 
Um, but I think if the power play can kind of write itself, maybe it'll make up for any of the ice time losses that he sees at five on five. And it, should, it also bears mentioning, thanks, Mike, for all like great insights. Also bears mentioning that Suzuki and Hartman are Elon's fourth and fifth center only eligible players. So we'll see how, because uh, he just couldn't pass up those bargains. John Klingberg just went for $10, same as Eric Carlson. So I feel like that's uh, that's similar. I'm going to like, I'm going to, that's a, I feel like I had a lot of fun or actually no fun at all trying to pick one of those two to draft, but it's going to be an interesting one to watch through the year. Um, also having gone recently, there were a couple that I wanted to point out. Oh, Mikhail Sergachev for $6 to Mark Klingberg and Sergachev, both to Mark. Um, that's the same prices. Uh, t- well, Tori Krug went for $5 to Brendan in Melbourne, Australia, and Owen Power went for $6. I'm just going to go on the record here, which I, I haven't been shy about. And this is no disrespect to Joel who picked Owen Power, but I don't see like I don't see room for Owen Power to do his thing, like let alone being a rookie defenseman, which is like a pretty rare place to produce from. But also pushing Rasmus Dahlin, um, and like producing on a Buffalo team that yeah has a really like a solid top line and a an emerging second line, I'd say. So I'm not sure what to make of that. And then I'm gonna throw one more name at you. Oh, two, because Rasmus Anderson just went for $9 to Lewis uh, on defense. And the, but the one I, I, I'm sorry if I've already said so many names, but I, 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 you've been really good at sticking with me through this. Kalen Addison went for $3 to Lewis, who he called a cheap lotto ticket immediately after drafting him. Uh, power play one potential for Addison, right? I'm, I'm shaking in my boots as someone who drafted Jared Spurgeon before we saw Addison appear on the top power play unit in preseason. Uh, I, so th- there's a whole lot of D there. Uh, and I wonder if there's one or two situations, uh, specifically the Addison one for sure. And any others that you feel uh, like you've got something to say on. Yeah. I, I think with Owen power, I think the best case scenario there is that he forces his way to the top pair and, you know, they've moved Rasmus Dahlin over to the right side or something like that. And he goes and plays with Dahlin and he's playing 22 minutes a night because he's playing so much at five on five. Cause I agree with you as long as Darlene's healthy he's not going to get that power play time and Darlene and Yoka Haru you know are the top pair I think Yoka Haru is one of those players he's gone from underrated to overrated um I was really surprised to see Boston or to see Chicago trade him away um but I also don't think at especially at this moment in time that he's a top pair defenseman so I think I can see a world where Yoka, where uh, Owen Power kind of forces his way to the top pair. Um, and then, you know, maybe they have uh, like a Uyghur Ekblad situation going on, like in Florida. I think with Power, you're just relying on, on peripherals, uh, at least for this season. If you can get, you know, 30 points with great hits and blocks, I think that's kind of what you're looking for from him. Um, but he's a guy that I, I think probably has a better second half than a first half um, if he can play. Uh, his way up the lineup and Kalen Addison, very, very interesting name. Um, you're right. Running the top power play unit, Minnesota was outside the top 20 in goals per minute last year uh, on the power play. I believe they got worse as the season went along too. Um, he's the, he's the guy that's supposed, he's the, he's supposed to be the number one puck mover, t- you know, top power play guy of the future for them. Uh, you know, whether that future um, starts, you know, on October 12th or 13th or whenever the first game is, uh, we'll have to see. 
Um, but like you said, a lotto ticket at $3, if, even if Addison only ends up playing 17 or 18 minutes a night, as long as he's running that top power play unit, I think it pays off for him. So um, I really do like uh, taking that gamble with Addison at $3 because if things really go right for him, you know, he can be a $13 or $14 defenseman in the setup. Yeah, which is which is terrible news. I'm going to take this back to me uh, for people who invested in Spurgeon, who even on the top power play last year, was not someone who felt consistently roster He's really disappointing. His peripheral contributions just tanked last season. And then he went on a bit of a heater towards the end of the year that I think was like variance fueled. I, I think he scored like several goals towards the end of the season was shooting, you know, far above his regular shooting percentage. So um, yeah, I, I might be looking for a pretty early replacement if that's what happens to, uh, um, to Spurgeon, if he gets bumped by Kalen Addison, Joel, not to pile on, but has taken the first player who was not drafted in any couple division. He nominated Zach Parisi. And I'm just, uh, Joel, I don't know if you can, if you can't, if you can or can't jump on, that's cool. I, I just wonder, were you hoping someone would outbid you on him or like, were you like seeing dollar potential from him? I just saw him as someone who I figured someone would probably bid $1 over. So I was uh, overly stoked to get him, but uh, you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's like part of it, right? Cause you want to try and throw guys out in an auction who are not um, the ones you're interested in, but as budgets dwindle, um, you also don't want to get caught holding the bag. Well, Joel um, Parise has gone from a $3 Parise to a $1 Parise. And I hope he performs at least like a $3 Parise for you. Um what else have we seen? Jacob Shikrin obviously taking a huge uh, dip from his value last year. Oh, Joel, you grabbed him too for $10. No, I, I grabbed Shikrin. Oh, you grabbed Shikrin. Okay. Oh, I was excited because I was going to, after like, after questioning one of Joel's picks, I was going to be like, oh, I really like this one. But it's Elon's. Um, sorry, Joel. I'm going to find a player that I really like on your team also. Um, you were Jacob giving Joel Sh- lots of credit at the beginning for like Makar and Fox and stuff. And Huberdo, yeah. Makar, Fox, Huberdo, and Demko also. And Bennington, yeah. Yeah, and Joel's Joel, fine. And, Let's talk about and, Oh, and Batherson. <laughs> and, you got, and Joel got Robert Thomas for seven bucks, who's like the Quinn Hughes of offense. Like, if he doesn't produce, he doesn't do a lot. But seven bucks uh, for, you know, like he could win you a few weeks for sure. Uh, so long as he's doing enough to stay on your roster, which I think I think he will. He's a frustrating own at times, but when he's when he's rolling, boy, does he feel good. Um, do I have a question? We're we're nearly three hours into our draft. We have one hundred and fifty eight drafted players, which means we have just under a hundred drafted players to go. Brian, I think the thing you could have talked about, you were starting to, was Jacob Chikrin, who I think <laughs> is just interesting because there's all these rumors. I'm curious to know if maybe Mike has any insider info or something, but like uh, a lot of rumors about he might be going to the Oilers. Like all your all the talk about you know Barry and uh, you know the various guys who might Bouchard. Like imagine if like Chikrin is dropped there. What does that mean for everybody? Yeah, I actually just wrote about Chikrin um, last week over at Dabra Hockey because there is a lot of variance uh, in his ADP, um, you know, draft to draft, depending where you go. Um, You don't really want to see him stay in Arizona too long, right? Because as long as Shane Gostisbehere is there and, the you know, Gostisbehere is doing what he can do on the power play, then Jacob Chikrin 
unless they run a two defense power play, is going to be on the second unit. And like, I couldn't name you one guy that would be on that second power play unit in Arizona. Um, but on the flip side of that is he's not a guy that needs a ton of, you know, goals and assists to bring value in this kind of format, right? Um, three shots per game last year. If he plays a full season, he can put up over 100 hits. He can put up over 100 blocks. Um, those peripherals certainly do mean a lot in a format like this. So even, you know, if the points are dry in Arizona, no, you know, kind of no pun intended there, um, he can still bring something uh, week to week. And what you're hoping for is that he's traded early in the season. You're hoping, you know, by American Thanksgiving or something, he is shipped off to Edmonton or he is, you know, shipped off to, you know, Dallas or, you know, Florida somehow finds a way to make room for him or or something like that. That's kind of what you're hoping for. You know, where he goes, he if he goes to a contender, he might not get the top power play when he gets there, right? Like if he goes to Edmonton, he's going to have to contend with Bouchard and Barry. If he goes to Florida, he's going to have to contend with Aaron Eckblad. If he goes to Dallas, he's going to have to contend with, with Haskinen and maybe even Ryan Suter sometimes. So I, I don't think you should be counting on him for top power play minutes no matter what this year. But if he can put, he can easily put up 10 goals, 40 points with great peripherals. And for $10, um, you know, he, he doesn't really need to do a ton to bring back value on that, which is why I think Chikrin is kind of, is kind of one of my favorite defensemen going consistently outside the top 20 um, in multi-category formats is because you don't need 55 or 60 points from him for him, for him to return that value. I would certainly change my tune if this was a plus minus league. And thankfully you guys don't count plus minus because uh, that could hurt this year. Um, but as long as you're not expecting top power play minutes from him, no matter where he goes, um, I, I think you, you'll be pretty happy with what he does this year, as long as he stays healthy. I was having this conversation with my co-manager, former tier one competitor, John Newhold and fast track winner and stat attack podcast co-host, which by the way, Mark, you might know Marcus as, the voice of our former Cupful Stat Attack podcast, our dearly beloved and missed Stat Attack podcast. Um, what was I saying? I was saying something about John Newhold oh, and Mark. John, and then oh, you yeah, started talking about people we, you like in podcasts. We, like. <laughs> we were talking about Jacob Shikran uh, in the draft that we're in with you, Elon, in another league. And I was like, you know, I, I really don't like, <laughs> I really don't like Jacob Shikran. Like, I, I don't, I think his value is pumped up to potentially trade him by Arizona and it didn't, it didn't pan out. And they're like, okay, well, we're not going to keep giving this guy opportunities. I don't think he's that great or big a threat. However, John pointed out to me that Shikrin, even in a terrible season last year, and Mike, this is to your point about his peripheral contributions still outpointed in our format, Josh Morrissey, who's a power play one quarterback and who we were sort of also considering with the pick that we picked Shikrin with. Um, Sagan goes for 11. Pionk goes for five. Okay. I like Neil Pionk this year. I, I don't know, like $5 at this point, whatever. Like I, money's precious. So it, it's hard to judge exactly how much that's worth. I think there's a chance he can get back up on the top power play and at least have like a Shikran like season of peripheral contributions. Um, they went missing last year. I'm not totally sure why, but I am. Um, I'm in on Neil Pionk. I, I like him. I like him as a late shot, you know, third or fourth defenseman type to see if he pans out. And if he doesn't move on, maybe someone else will be on the wire. Also, before I forget, Matt wanted to say hi to his mom. So hi, uh, hi, Leany, as your friends call you, or Eileen, 
you know, usually it's come on Eileen. Today it's come on Matt. Take that ultimate championship home. Uh, Matt, oh, speaking of Matt, Barzell off the board for $4. How are these segues coming? Um, also, I'll put that invite out again as we approach a break in the draft for anybody who wants to come on and talk strategy. You are always and forever welcome. Blake Wheeler going for five bucks. I mean, we're in that part of the, the auction where we're seeing a lot of players go between, you know, four and eight dollars. Oh, someone who I raised an eyebrow at. Um, going back to Winnipeg, who I've already shared my concerns with, but my team is very mismashy. <laughs> my strategy works for the most part, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Max, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you on. Give yeah, me a minute. I went heavy early, but I got a pretty good lineup out of it. Okay, uh, except so, the fucking guys who took like, language, Max. Nice. Language. The guys who took McDavid and Matthews, who I wanted to target, they each went like over a hundred dollars, which is just like obscene. Like everybody's like, holy fuck! Like, what is your strategy? <laughs> like, what is happening like, here? There is like eighty was what I was willing to spend, which was a lot, and they went over a hundred. This is a different holy draft, shit. also. They didn't go for that much. What is uh? Is Max know that he's on this? Uh, is I don't know. I'm gonna mute him. Max, so then you can unmute yourself. <laughs> it felt random. It felt random. <laughs> we'll get at the sensors for that. Apologies uh, if we don't manage to. Um, also, hello to all the dogs listening. You, uh, especially Tom's, Hobble Nuts. Apparently, this is good listening for, for dogs. I'll take that for what it's worth. The question I was asking you, though, Mike, uh, was about Pierre-Luc Dubois going for $8 to Ryan. I actually really liked that. I feel like Dubois could be in for a good season. Like we were expecting back when he was, you know, about a 60 point player in Columbus. I had hopes for more from him, but I knew in Columbus that wasn't going to come to fruition. And then like life has kind of been a mess for him since then. But last year he was a guy who stepped up his game. I didn't see any cracks in his game, like on the ice or on the, like on the stat sheets under the hood. And I feel like $8 for him, I I don't know. I, I may, Let me put this to you, Mike. Pierre-Luc Dubois for eight versus Nick Suzuki for seven. Who who do you like? And uh, and how are you feeling about Dubois in general? Yeah, I, I agree with you on Dubois this year. I think he's kind of being overlooked a little bit just because of, you know, like all that off-season drama that uh, you did talk about. I have... Uh, um, I have Dubois and Suzuki ranked fairly close to each other amongst my center rankings. Um, now that's in leagues that are, are a little bit different from this, but you look at what Dubois did last year, um, you know, almost 30 goals, 60 points, triple digit hits, almost three shots per game. Like if he does that again, a perfectly acceptable price um, down at $8. I think the concern with him would be if he does get traded in February, where does he go and what does his role look like when he gets there? Right. Like does, you know, Carolina swing a trade for him and all of a sudden Pierre-Luc Dubois is the third line center in Carolina on the second power play unit, you know, that could really hurt when it comes to head to head fantasy playoffs uh, in March and April. I think that's kind of my concern with him uh, in a format like this is you don't know where he's going to end up um, if he gets traded, you know, it's certainly not a guarantee that he gets traded, but it's, it looks like he will be. But if he gets traded, where does he end up? It, it's probably not somewhere where he's skating almost 19 minutes a night with top power play time. It's certainly probably to go to a contender uh, to give them some depth or something like that. So um, I, I, I think 
in a, in a head-to-head format, I would probably downgrade Dubois a little bit. I would like him more in Roto um, just so I can, you know, because you, you kind of want even value from him all season long, not, you know, in uh, not when things are magnified in March and April and head-to-head, but uh, $8, like, like I said, I have him and Suzuki right close to each other in my rankings. So I can see, I see them $1 apart as pretty much similar players, especially in a points format um, where, you know, Suzuki doesn't have to put up 130 hits to, to be, you know, close to as valuable as Dubois as long as he's putting up points. So I think, I think they're both per- perfectly fine at that price. Okay. Okay. So uh, some nice endorsements there for Dubois. I'm glad we're, we're on the same page. We're seeing some $1 players go now as I catch up in uh, in logging the draft. So Joel is being joined by other people who are nominating guys that perhaps they, I, you know, they might not have wanted because when it, towards the end, when it, it's essentially turns into a snake draft, when everyone only has a buck a player left and you can't beat. So you nominate the guy you want and that's it. But here uh, we've seen three of the last four players, whoops, go for a buck. Uh, Damon Severson, a dollar to Brendan, Spencer Knight uh, for a dollar to Mark and Mario Ferraro for a dollar to Harrison. Uh, that seems like a, a first week of the season kind of plan. I guess, I guess Ferraro, if he gets some more ice time, he could be doing more. Also, Max has gotten a huge reception in the chat for, oh God, for his cameo that came right after I said hello to one of our drafters' moms. Come on, we we can do... That's okay. Max has won the league. Ryan, moms, moms swear too. It's fine. What? Moms swear. My I've mom told me not to swear. Well, that's why you get so offended. Maybe your mom <laughs> did you a disservice that you can't show when someone else swears. I'm going to let my mom know that she should have sworn more when I was younger. Uh, okay. So I wonder if anyone is swearing about getting one of these dollar players here. Knight Ferraro Severson. Uh, we're on break here. I don't know, Mike. Oh, Mike. Mike is out of his seat. Does anyone want to come on and share their draft strategy? And by the way, Max, I don't know what draft he was talking about. I can't imagine him being in a second auction. Maybe he had some other, another data set that he was referring to. Two auction drafts at the same time. But yeah, here we got Ryan here that wants to come on. All right. Ryan, fast track winner, had the most points of any cupful manager last season. Uh, big fan of the Canucks. First ever pick was uh, Claude Giroux in fantasy. Those were the days, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, you 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 also said like Tom that like you weren't sure you had prepped enough for this draft. How are you feeling now that so much of it is done? I mean, you actually I don't think I mentioned amongst those dollar players, you uh, got Palat for three dollars, which I really like. I feel like he's going to be on power play one where we've seen him crush it in Tampa as part of that well-oiled machine for what that's worth. Uh, he's going to be playing. I said this about Tatar last season, and I, I, I feel like Palat's more solid, uh, and I don't think I'm going down that path again that Tatar did, but he's going to play with Hughes or Hishier. Uh, there's a lot to like about that pick. So I, I asked you already, though, before I said positive things about Palat, how are you feeling about your draft so far today? Feeling pretty good. Um I think my biggest concern was not being aggressive enough. So I've tried to be aggressive. Um, so I'm happy mostly with how that's panned out. Um, there were a couple spots where I think I was hoping to get certain things I didn't get, but uh, all in all, I'm, I'm not too disappointed. 
Okay, that's good. And you're like, and you're also mentioning, or like you're you're unique here because you're coming from tier six, right? Everybody mm-hmm. here has been at least in tier three before. So you're you're coming up to like a brand new. How did you prepare? Um, you know, not having gone head to head with any of these. Almost everybody here has gone head to head with someone else here before. You haven't. How are you going to, I mean, that's something maybe you can use to your advantage too. How, how have you prepared with all that knowledge and how are you feeling amongst the, the group here? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> um, so that, that's, tr- that's how I'm trying to spin it, even though deep down, yeah, I want to win. Because uh, I didn't actually win my division last year. So right. I'm, I'm t-shirtless. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's like I watched some of the old um, tier one drafts just to try to get a feel sort of for kind of how the distribution of things seem to go. Um, so I learned a lot from that. So that was great. Having the spreadsheets too of those old values is very useful. Um, but yeah, this is also just my first option generally. Yeah. So it's kind of against anybody to be hard. I think I had to get into the mindset of, you know, a lot of auction content is sort of around like taking advantage of your opponents. And I don't think I can take advantage of anybody here. So trying to get into that mindset of being okay, trying to pay for value for things and stuff like that. And I thought I could take advantage and I definitely could not. <laughs> That's a huge change of playing in like a cupful, like in any tier. Like mm-hmm. we're all used to playing in our home or public or friends leagues or whatever. We're like, we know, we know how to win. We have our moves. We listen to the podcast. We do our research. We know. But now you're against people who are just as attentive. And then as you get into the higher tiers, it's even tougher. There's no, there's no easy weeks. There's no one to take advantage of. Uh, but Ryan, I think you're, it's, 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 I'm glad you're here to have fun. I think you you can also do plenty more than just have fun. And Lewis wants you to know that he too is shirtless, not today, just in general. Um, he's on, so for everyone flocking to the live recording of this video, <laughs> Ryan and Lewis are both wearing shirts. Okay. Uh, Lewis, do you have something to say about that? Oh, about being shirtless? I don't know. You put your hand up when I said well, that you I had other things to talk about, but um, <laughs> I am shirtless. I do have not won a cupful division, but I think that's because I have played in tier one more than any other player. Yeah. I don't know if you have the stats yeah. on that. A little, little humble brag here, but six or seven years, but one Lewis, of these days I need to actually turn it into something that I can yeah. uh, show off, you know. A couple years back, you were you were relegated out of tier one after earning your way in, but but you've been back ever since also. So with all so you're like the the Ryan, you guys have that in common that you've both of you haven't won a division before, but you're different in that you have experience playing against against the so what what are you going to do differently this year or what have have you done anything differently in your draft this year to try and break yeah, your break I your did. dry run so i i i didn't get to draft last year in person um i had a friend who had a wedding and if you get married on a fall saturday i have concerns for you uh you're a mean person to me i like to watch football and i like to draft for fantasy hockey um but yeah i i wanted to go kind of um you know i think having uh dave benton drafted for me last year which was very nice of him uh and i wanted to um you know basically spend pretty big um and this time i i, th- I think there still were a lot of guys who were going kind of in that mid-tier um which worked out well for me obviously i'm still hanging around um but i wanted to spend big early and then sit out and then really pick my shots kind of later in the draft and i think that's gone pretty well um, my sub $10 guys right now, um, Kempe for nine, Skinner for six, uh, Brat for 10, 
Addison for three, Anderson, Rasmus Anderson for nine, and then O'Reilly and Heashier both for two. Um, I'm feeling really go- good about being able to kind of wait on those guys. Uh, I really didn't fill out center until kind of late in the draft, but now I've got four center eligible guys. So, uh, you know, that depth in that position, uh, let me pick some guys for real cheap who I think are going to uh, outpace what I had to spend on them. So step one of your change in strategy this year was show up and yeah, step two, be here. be here. And step two has been to, to find Spend like early. A- and then just, I basically didn't make a pick as you pointed out for yeah. like 90 minutes, I think at least. Um, and, and then you did rattle off, like you just mentioned them all, but it rattled off a bunch of $10 or less players who have been like, who all could perform above that. So you're looking for that laid up side when you hold the hammer on other drafters like Skinner for six and Kempe for nine. I, I really like both of those picks as guys who can outperform their possible. All your guys could, but those, those are the ones that I see as uh, could be the most, the most likely to do it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks Lewis. And then I want to bring on Mark at some point too, but just quickly uh, Mike, I want to throw a question your way. We just saw our Terry Lekkinen go for five bucks to Jordan, uh, who's also a formidable, formidable competitor that I've played against. Obviously, Lekkanen's value is a little juiced because we don't know the Landeskog situation. And we also don't totally know, like Nachushkin seems to be working towards being okay, but not there yet. So Lekkanen could find himself in some really, really great company early on in the season. Yeah, um, he was a guy I was kind of sad to see Montreal trade. I really thought that they should have hung on to him. Um, I get why they did it, but you know, that's the past. Um, you know, it certainly looks like Lekkanen's even when Landis Cox back, I think Lekkanen stays in that top six. And as long as you're in that top six, you have a shot to be a pretty good producer. Um, it's just of what that top power play looks like without Landis Cog in the lineup. Um, I suspect, uh, Lekkanen's going to be able to hold that down, uh, on the top power play unit, you know, McKinnon, Rantanen, Nachushkin, uh, and Lekkanen. But, you know, maybe they want to give Alex Newhook some exposure. Uh, maybe Evan Rodriguez kind of forces their hand a little bit. We'll have to see what happens. But I think, you know, at least until Landis God comes back, Lekkanen has, has an opportunity to be a pretty impactful fantasy player because he's not a guy, you know, he's not a guy that doesn't bring peripherals, right? Like he was over two shots per game last year, only playing 15 minutes a night. If he's playing 17 to 18 minutes for Colorado – especially through the first, you know, six or eight weeks of the season. Um, You know, he's going to be well over, he's going to be well over two shots per game. He's going to be over a hit per game. He's going to put up points playing that top six, probably top power play. I I really like Lekkanen's outlook for the entire season, even once Landis Cog's back and healthy. But until Landis Cog comes back, I think he could be a very impactful fantasy asset. So, you know, for $5, even if he's only, you know, really good for the first two months. And then it's just, you know, kind of like replacement level ish after that, once Landis Cog returns, um, I don't think you can be mad about a, a $5 like in whatsoever. I, I think he's, he's going to turn some heads this year, especially, you know, through the first couple months. Sort of in line with some of those other guys we've mentioned who, you know, you can draft them and even, yeah, if you just get some short-term value, if they help you get off and running this season, then great. And if they hang around longer, even better, Nick Schmaltz just went to Matt for two dollars. I don't know. I so I have my concerns about Arizona because of that crazy road trip they're on at the start of the year. 
where they're, I think they have a 14 game road trip. They're basically away for an entire month. And that concerns me. And I've mentioned on the show, like if you don't draft Keller or Schmaltz or Gosses Bear, maybe try kicking tires around mid-November to see if you can acquire them just as Arizona's schedule stabilizes and they're at home for a bit. But at $2, I, I couldn't pass up Nick Schmaltz at all. I think that's a, a savvy grab for for Matt, who was earlier lamenting how much of his budget he'd spent. I think that's a, an example of him making the most of what's left. Yeah, I agree. Schmaltz is a guy that I've always liked. His, you know, I've always liked his playmaking ability specifically. Um, I think the problem is in, in this kind of format is he doesn't shoot much um, and he certainly doesn't hit. So there are limitations to what he can do, like, um, you know, we saw Arizona go on a crazy like six or seven week absolute bender. Uh, I think it was like February and March last year where, uh, you know, everybody in that top six seems like they were scoring pretty much at will. Um, the problem with Schmaltz will be, you know, when they when they're not really clicking at a high level, he doesn't bring anything else to the game um, to kind of support playing him night in and night out. Like so for two dollars, he'll definitely return that over the course of the season. But you're definitely going to have to have the depth where at some points you're going to have to bench him just because of the nature of his team. Um, you know, maybe Keller's not 100 percent completely returning uh, from that injury that he suffered from that fractured leg at the end of last year. So um, I, I think for two dollars, it's fine. He'll pay that off over the course of the season. I just think there are definitely going to be stretches where he's going to be riding the pines. You just have to have the depth to be able to replace him. All right. Yeah, I think that's um, it's like a, maybe like a poor man's Robert Thomas or maybe just similar. Yeah, you're going to you're going to have to weather those tough Robert times. Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. OK, Mark, your team uh, is full. You're done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what time is it in Dublin right now? Uh, quarter past nine in the evening. In the evening. OK. All right. So this this draft still worked for you. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Mark, I already mentioned former host of a show that we was part of our our cinematic keeping Carlson cinematic universe, as it's been called. Mark works as a product manager in sports betting. He's been playing uh, fancy for over a decade. This is his third consecutive year in tier one after working his way up from his first year in tier five. Um, and uh, he was he was a finalist last year in the cup full versus Elon. Um, Mark, you said that your most embarrassing fancy hockey moment was not giving Elon a game. Oh, in that final, you're like, you, you didn't feel like you challenged him enough at the end. So you, you have unfinished business with Elon this year. Yeah, that was my most embarrassing moment until like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know and, and then what happened? So um, I turned the sound off on the Yahoo uh, draft board. I can't remember why. I think I was going on to chat to you for a second and I didn't want the beeps happening in the background. So I muted it for a second and I forgot to unmute it. And I didn't realize that um, it was my turn to nominate. And I, you know, the clock ran out and I nominated Spencer Knight. Um, oh, okay. didn't so, so one of those so, dollar bids was was unrequited. It was not uh, it was not wanted. Yeah. And I had nineteen dollars left. So I left eighteen dollars on the board. Um so I was I was planning on going for somebody with a good schedule or somebody. Right. Um, oh, you know, I'm uh, sorry, Mark. That that is like you you know you can't take it with you, obviously. So you 
yeah, you probably could have done more with it. You could have picked anyone. I don't mean to rub it in, but that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. But I mean, on the bright side, I mean, you had all that money left over because I, I think you were you were picking. I mean, I don't know how much you were listening, but your picks uh, were several of my favorites early on. I, I, we have a lot of overlap between your couple team and mine. So there's a bit of bias happening here. Um, but you um, like how, how are you feeling about your, I like that your message, like we did a little survey and your message for your tier one competitors was that if you've outbid me in the auction, you've paid too much, which is just like serious, uh, arrogant smack, which I love. Um, what do you, what do you think of how things went in your draft? Did, did anybody actually outbid you and get a steal or, or can you stand by that? And, and, uh, yeah, just tell us more about your day today. Yeah. So I guess this is my third time in tier one so my, my third time doing an auction draft and i've really kind of found my found my niche or found my pattern where i set uh, values for each of the players on the board and i i don't go above them so i bid on pretty much everybody um initially and then 99 percent of the time for the first hour i'm just uh i'm being outbid across the board so you know mcdavid is going for $30 over what I have them valued at. Um, and I, I've kind of just come to terms with that. I've accepted it that I'm not ever going to own Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, but I'm always going to have a guy, a, a team of mid-range guys who who serve me well. Um, and yeah, like up until that mishap with the last pick today, I was really, really happy with how things had gone. Um, it's not the end of the world. It's just, you know, when it's your last pick, it's a bit of a sour taste at the end of the draft, especially when I finished up you know, potentially an hour before the draft ended. So I'm just right. sitting here updating my spreadsheet with uh, with the last few guys who are being picked here. And from what I can see at the moment on my sheet, I'm, I'm okay. My, you know, I'm projected to do pretty well, uh, but there's a lot of teams with a lot of picks left to go. So um, we'll see. A few smart picks now can make all the difference. You can totally no comment this question if you'd like, but with that extra money that you left on the table, um, as the guy that you would have targeted, is he still on the board or no? Or would you, again, no. is it a no comment? No, so I was stuck between two guys and I think they've both been taken. Maybe I'll just double check on one of those. Um, I mean, feel free to name them, but also feel free okay. to not. Um, no, I want to name them, but I guess I can name them. It's So uh, Logan Couture was the first one just because of that good schedule in week one with the Thursday, Friday, or the Friday, Saturday games. Yeah, um, he went for $3. Yeah, and Tyler Bertuzzi was the other. Um, just because he was top of my list and, you know, that that barrier to entry in Canada is now gone. And um, <laughs> I, I probably would have taken. <laughs> Tom took him and he's, he's, uh, he's talking to me in the chat there about trading him, but... Um, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to want to take Spencer Knight off me. <laughs> I mean, maybe, uh, maybe, I mean, I always hope for the best for everyone. So maybe Knight will be named opening night starter. He'll just, uh, or maybe he'll start the second night. I don't know. I feel like Paul Marie's totally left the door open. But again, there's a lot of lip service in the preseason in these interviews. So we'll have to actually get rolling to see what happens. Um, I'm just looking at, uh, I mean, I love... I mean, okay, you want to weigh in on the Klingberg versus Carlson? They went for the same amount. Did you have them at the same amount on your spreadsheet? Um, I think I had Carlson slightly lower. Let me just double check. Um, I think I actually might have overpaid on Klingberg by a dollar. 
um, a dollar or two. I had them valued at seven and I bid 10. Uh, the reason for that was that I had excess money left and uh, Anaheim have the best off-night schedule for the seasons. So I figured, um, you know, it's, it's worth paying that little bit extra when you have a D-man who plays the off-nights um, for, for streaming purposes. Um, and let me check Carlson then. Carlson, I think he probably was one of my do not drafts just because I've had him a few times in the <laughs> yeah. last few seasons and, and injuries have kind of uh, caused me concern. So yeah. uh, Carlson, I had him valued for an 82 game season. I had him valued at $10. So I probably had Carlson slightly higher, but then Klingberg's off nights and slightly better uh, reliability in terms of injury uh, meant that I went for him. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad we're on the, we seem to be on the same page a lot. So it seems like we're on the same page there too. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Mark. I hope, uh, I mean, I wish you all the best. I, I don't think that that end of draft, like I don't, my sense is it's not going to crush you through the season, but I'm, I know that sinking feeling. Um, and I, I feel for you, but, uh, better days ahead. Uh, you've got a regular season championship to defend and uh, hopefully a, a, a repeat trip to the finals this year. I'll be excited to follow your season. Um, and I guess you'll be excited to follow the rest of this draft to see who ends up where as players are just like flying off the board now. Um, Brian, I'm going to just jump in. I want to get... Wait, no, I'm, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do what you want me to do. Okay, do it. Yeah, it is what you want me to do. I just... Um, Okay. okay, I'm doing it. No, no, Mike, this, no, no I have, I have a segue now. I, I wanted to. <laughs> I want to say last year we were all about $2 Kuznetsov. And this year, Elon, you have succeeded in acquiring a $2 Kuzmenko. Mike, where are you at on Kuzmenko and his upside, especially at just a, the, the low, low price of $2? Uh, would you like to pat Elon on the back? For, I mean, at this point in the draft, I'm just going to say, there's a lot of back padding to be had. A lot of guys going between two and five dollars. It's not much of a risk, but relative to those other guys like uh, Lafreniere, Brock Nelson, William Eklund, Mikhail Granlin, Jared McKinn, Logan Thompson, Anthony Mantha, these are all other two or three dollar guys at this point. How do you feel about Kuzmenko in there? I, I think it's less important how we feel and more important how Vancouver feels about him because it seems like they're pretty high on him, right? Like, um, he's definitely been skating uh, with Elias Pettersson quite a bit in the preseason. You know, um, he's kind of been moved around like the wingers have all been mostly moved around, but he's been skating quite a bit with Pettersson. He's been getting some top power play time as well. Uh, and with Brock Besser injured to start the year, like, you know, that doesn't look serious, but it certainly looks like there might be a spot on the top power play unit for a shooter uh, to kind of replace Besser. And if Kuzmego takes that spot, you know, I don't think, Besser gets Wally Pipp, but maybe Horvat does, right? You know what I mean? Um, like Kuzmenko looks great next to Pedersen and on the top power play unit through the first couple of weeks of the season. I think he might end up forcing Boudreaux's hand and him staying with Pedersen and on the top power play unit. And then maybe Horvat is the guy that gets moved off the power play. So um, I'm just, I'm, I'm always dubious about guys being brought in, uh, you know, in their mid twenties or whatever, uh, you know, we, they can't all, we can't all expect them to be uh, like Kirill Kaprizov. Um, but it certainly seems like Vancouver likes what they have and the way that he's been playing so far in training camp. And for that reason, he's kind of been moving his way up my draft board, even though he was a guy that I wasn't necessarily targeting uh, through the off season. 
the hype, the hype is for real and Elon's driving it further. Elon, how high were you prepared to go for Kuzmenko? Uh, I think $3, but I just feel like, first of all, I needed left wing because for some reason I accidentally faded left wing in this draft. And then also, oh, it's my turn to nominate. One sec. Yeah, I just think that uh, Kuzmenko, if he's going to be top line, top power play, at least while Besser's out, why not take a shot and then see if he can be for real? If not, obviously, I'm not going to hold on for long if he sucks. I'll just drop him. Oh, just got uh, Ryan Pulak for a dollar. <laughs> I was going to update who you nominated, but there it is. It's a dollar. I'm looking at the max bids for everybody left. Uh, Lori holds the hammer, can go up to four bucks. Everybody else is between one or two dollars except for Phil, who can go to three. So we're we're nearing the snake portion of this auction draft. Um, but I think Pulak is pretty good for a dollar. Brendan also just finished his team um, with Chandler Stevenson for one dollar uh, after adding Bertuzzi for six, who uh, might have rightfully belonged to Marcus, but I'm not going to wade into that ethical debate. But it's not a, it's not a debate at all. Victor Arvidsson for a dollar to Harrison. I like that. I think the power play, the power play is a big question because he wasn't on the top unit for a lot of last year. But Mike, I see you nodding about one dollar Arvidsson. I mean, he's been on the power top power play, um, at least so far in the preseason. So they've been running the top line, Kempi Kopitar, Fiala plus Arvidsson uh, with Doughty. That's been the top power play. Um, you know, the thing with Arvidsson, it's it's kind of like what we said about Timo Meyer. It's just the lack of power play production is what's kept his best seasons from being truly great seasons, right? But even if he's not on the top power play, like he only had eight power play points last year. Like, you know, even if he only gets eight or 10 this year, but he's still putting up three and a half shots per game on what, you know, that second line for Los Angeles was one of the best uh, in the league last year. If he's, if all he is, is a 20 to 25 goal, 55 point guy that puts up 250 shots or something like that, that just blows the doors down on a $1 bid, like on a, on a, you know, relative value basis. It can end up being one of the best buys of the entire draft. Speaking of uh, someone else who could be one of the best buys of the draft, we've just seen Jared Spurgeon go for a dollar less than Keelan Addison to Joel uh, goes for two bucks. So if he can hold off, Mike, you, you don't seem, uh, is it, is this, is this a foregone conclusion for you? Like, is it, is, is Spurgeon over and Addison is the new hotness? Like for sure. No, it's, it's it, nothing's for sure. Uh, in Minnesota, I think they're at the point where whatever works is what they're going to go with. And certainly if Kaylin Addison's working early in the season, they're definitely going to stick with it. And it's something that absolutely could stick all year. Um, but Jared Spurgeon had zero power play goals last year. Like that. It's not like, his goal total was uh, a function of just scoring a lot with the man advantage. And he's a guy that usually shoots relatively high percentage wise for a defenseman. Um, his peripherals won't be great, but I mean, for $2, he's a guy you can probably leave in your lineup most of the time, even if he's not on the top power play and he's still going to bring value to you as, you know, a 12 goal, 40 point uh, defenseman that can put up a couple shots per game. He needs the top power play to definitely reach that next level. Um, maybe he can take it over from Addison by the time uh, November rolls around. Because like I said, I do think Minnesota's just really kind of dying to go with a power play that works. Um, if it's Addison, so be it. Spurgeon for a couple bucks, I think, you know, as a number four defenseman or something like that in, in a league in this format, I think is perfectly fine. I, I just think it's funny to see him go for less than Addison. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, I, I think 
even if Addison's on the top power play, I think he might end up in that Keith Yandel situation that he was, you know, Yandel was in last year where, you know, there's a lot of nights he's playing 16 or 17 minutes, even though he's getting top power play time, just because Minnesota does have a relatively deep blue line, even if it's not super elite, like a, like a Colorado or something like that. Right. So I I agree. I think, um, I, uh, well said, I'm not gonna, I don't need to talk any more than I've talked so far. Thanks, Mike. You're, you're crushing it. We are, uh, we're three and a half hours in over 220 players drafted Riley Smith off the board for a buck. Jacob Voracek. Is that Laurie's last player? Yeah. I'm like Jacob Voracek for $4 amongst all these dollars, uh, dollar players. So Laurie was just finishing their draft there. Um, I'm trying to see who else has caught my eye. I'm glad we agreed on Arvidsson. Anton Lundell for a dollar to Thomas. That seems like an, a, a decent late draft flyer to take. Oh, Jake Allen, Montreal for $2 to Harrison. I also, I like Jake Allen. Like I, do, I was reading an article on The Athletic about him. And in his mind, he said, I think uh, three of his last four seasons have been his best ever. Like he's just, you know, it's taken him a while to get there. His last two in St. Louis and his first two in Montreal, the numbers slightly disagree, but two of his last three seasons, um, like his Delta Fenwick save percentages are not just above expected, but well above expected at five on five. And I think that's really promising. He also seems to be like embracing this role as a transition goalie for Montreal and like is ready to play, to be the goalie they're looking for and not to be sad or mad that he's stuck on a team where he's not going to win. He said he's had his chance to win. He's happy to help build something new in Montreal. I loved everything about that article and it made me like him even more. I, I think he's a, he's a nice late get. Yeah. He, he was a guy that he, cause when he just signed that contract, that was, it was the exact same thought that I had that he's, he was playing much better hockey once he crossed into the 30 years old territory than he was earlier than that. Like, I don't know necessarily what it is. And I think this type of format probably, probably plays better. Um, You know, like we were talking about with Elvis Merzlikens, this type of format probably plays better than it does uh, if you're relying purely on goals against and save percentage ratios. Um, Just because, you know, I don't think Montreal is going to be very good defensively. Um, If anybody's looked at that blue line lately, and I'm I'm a Montreal fan, they're my team. That blue line is looking a little thin. Um, he could, there, there are a lot of nights he could see like 35, 35, 40 shots on goal, um, and can post a decent point total, even if he doesn't get the win, um, just because he's probably going to end up facing so many shots. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's definitely playing much better hockey now than he was earlier in his career. If your league rewards value, take a look at Jake Allen late. Like he's probably going later than Matt Murray and Philip Grubauer, probably the last workhorse number one that you can find in a draft. and. Obviously, if wins and goals against are important to your league, he's not going to be that helpful. But I think he will be helpful for saves and save percentage. Uh, and games started. If you're looking to reach minimum starts, he's your guy. Colton Perego off the board for a buck to Ryan after Jack Quinn goes for a buck to Max. Uh, Mike, I assume you really like that $1 Jack Quinn pick towards yeah, the end of the draft. Yeah, he's, he's one of the guys that I think um has a real shot for the Calder trophy this year obviously I think Mason McTavish and Maddie Beniers probably lead the way uh for uh rookie of the year candidates but if you're looking um you know I was looking at 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 betting markets but if you're looking for you know further long shots certainly Jack Quinn's one of them Alex Holtz 
in New Jersey is another one. But Quinn, you know, he was a guy that he had a lot of skill. That was kind of his hallmark when he was drafted. He just absolutely torched the AHL last year. Um, he's been skating next to Tage Thompson for a reason. And it's not just because, uh, you know, they want to put him on the top line. It's because he's playing extremely well all through the preseason and in training camp. So, um, you know, hopefully Quinn, maybe he ends up like Mason Raymond uh, does last year where he has, you know, like super hot stretches, but then there are times of inconsistency where you might have to bench him. Um, but he's definitely, in my mind, one of the front runners for rookie of the year this year. All right. We are basically sneaking now to the end. Brandon, uh, our graphic designer at brandonweave.com is the last, the last person who has a $2 bid available to them. So they can, they can use it on anyone that's nominated that they want. Everybody else just has to accept that they're not going to get a player that's nominated. Uh, who did I see go? That was interesting to me. Oh, it's a, I, a Gostas bear went for three bucks. Not so long ago. Oh, I've missed it. I, I mean, Rob, can I just jump in for one? Yeah. Second? Yeah. Well, that Riley Smith for a dollar is really, really interesting to me. Um, I was looking at Corey Snager, uh shutdown line on Twitter. He's a guy that does a lot of game tracking, manual game tracking, and he tracks scoring chances and scoring chance assists and things like that. Riley Smith graded out very, very well in scoring chance creation last year, both him taking his own and creating others for teammates. And I think in the latest uh, lineup iteration for Vegas, he was on the top line with Jack Eichel and Phil Kessel. Um, now whether he gets top power play time, I think that's an entirely different question. I'm not sure that he does, but even secondary power play minutes playing on that top line. I think he played pretty well last year and the team being unable to score really hurt his overall numbers, Uh, you know, for a dollar skating, at least he's going to be starting out on that top line, getting a real good opportunity. I really like taking that flyer on Riley Smith. I think, um, if things go well for him, you can see a 60 point season out of him. Me too. This is what I thought last year uh, about Riley Smith. And he was so frustrating, but I'm ready. Like, it seems like Vegas is ready to maybe try him out in a new role and give him some top billing. I picked him late in one of my drafts too. And I'm happy to see him. How do you think he compares? I found the guy I wanted to ask you about, Mike. How do you think Riley Smith compares to Jake DeBrusque at the end of a draft? That was Lewis's final pick. Uh, of to to complete his team i i don't know i've been burned by this guy so many times i know he's in a good spot next to bergeron for the moment where like are you interested in debrusque again or for the first time or never again yeah i'm I'm wondering how this is going to work out in boston because you know pavel zaka had been playing left wing top line with bergeron but he got moved off there recently i think aj greer was there this morning in practice uh, with Taylor Hall now injured. And, um, you know, does Jake DeBrus get moved uh, down to the second line in Taylor Hall's old spot? And maybe they move David Pasternak back up to the top line alongside Bergeron. Like with Marshan and, and Taylor Hall out, I think you're going to see a lot of fidgeting uh, in that uh, Boston top six. And it's kind of the reason why, like, I'm not very high uh, on really any of the Boston skaters, certainly not through the first six weeks or so of the season. Uh, those, you know, between uh, with McAvoy and Marshan and Taylor Hall, those are three pretty significant pieces missing, you know, probably at least for the first month of the season. They just said Hall's week to week, so we don't know exactly how bad it is just yet. But week to week right now isn't a good sign. So 
I, I'm not super high on DeBrusque. I'm not really high on, on the Boston uh, point producers at all. Um, I know Elon might not like to hear that. He took David Pasternak. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm real concerned about that injury situation in Boston because you're relying on all those guys to come back and come back close to hundred percent, you know, four, six, eight weeks into the season. And if they're not, um, those are some really big holes the team has to fill. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad that you share. I, I feel alone sometimes in, uh, in sharing my like pessimism about players. And I don't want to be the last one poo-pooing a guy um so it's always nice to hear i don't think we uh, want to be poo-pooing pasternak though anymore on this show if mike wants to invite to next year's oh <laughs> i w- i didn't hear the poo-poo pasternak yeah he said that boston is concerning well, yeah it's uh, all, you, all the players you took that, that personally are, are concerning for me that's that's the only thing no fair <laughs> enough um we are done we're done it's it's over D- Dylan Strom, Matt finished the draft with Dylan Strom. I'll just throw some other late names out there for anybody still listening. If you want to know, Kevin LeBanc, Alec uh, Martinez. Okay, I want to throw it out there. I wanted the, LeBanc. I, I forgot, like, because, you know, forgot San Jose has those two games and he's yeah. going to probably be on the top power play. I ended up, like, just scrambling right at the end. I took Mason Marchment with my last pick. Yeah. Like, I won't even keep. I don't know. I thought that, that was, was a, I, I thought that was not an Elon type choice. I also, I, your Mikhaev pick before that, also. You don't like Mikhaev? <laughs> Not especially. I had him a lot last year and I didn't find he offered a whole lot of value. Well, well, yeah, he was on Toronto and now he's on Vancouver and he was bouncing around in in Toronto a little bit. And I don't think uh, top six in Vancouver is a huge upgrade on middle six in Toronto. I mean, we'll see. Also, I like that. He's injured. I mean, he's injured, right? (laughs) So I can throw him on IR and I don't know what you're laughing about, but like uh, I could throw him in. The nice thing is that he's injured. Well, when you do a late pick in a draft, it's like I get yeah. two picks, right? Because I get to throw him on IR and then claim someone off of waivers to fill that spot. But yeah, uh, I like for me at the end of the draft with these Mikhaev and Marchment, that's me like taking a shot on someone in a new team where maybe there's some exciting upside, but also easy to drop if it doesn't work out. But like, you know, Vancouver paid like what, five million a year for Mikhaev? And I think Dallas is like four million a year for Marchment. So they're not paying these guys you know, these multi-million dollar contracts to like sit in the bottom six and not do anything. Yeah. So and I want to see what happens. teams have never paid players more than they deserve. All so. right, I blew it. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Like, I'm just I saying, know, I'm they'll, just... they'll give him a shot. You it's think great. like day, day one, like the Dallas DeBoer is going to be like, you know what? I don't care that you paid four mil. I'm putting him, in, like I'm benching him. Healthy scratch, game one. Yeah, no, it's it's great insight. I I, I think I, I I'm just challenging. All right, of course. Uh, of course. Kevin Hayes for a dollar late. That's nice. I thought that was cool. Brett, Brandon Montour for a buck. Rossi for a buck too. Brandon had the final hammer. He was the last guy who could uh, outbid someone on anyone or make ensure he got the guy he wanted. He put it towards Alex Newhook, which Mike you spoke to him earlier on the show. And uh, this might be a good moment, Mike. I'm going to ask for your overall thoughts. If you if your brain works well enough to to piece them together, uh, three and a half hours into this, and then I'm going to invite anybody up. Maybe we'll take some, uh, the drafts over. We can like open the floor for conversation uh, for you know five or ten minutes. If anyone wants to talk about their own team or other teams uh, in family friendly language, as I see Max has his camera on. Uh, then by all means, but Mike, at, at the end of this draft, uh, how, how are you feeling about, about what you, what you, what you saw, what you've witnessed here today as, as all these teams draft their teams to compete for the title of ultimate fantasy champion? 
I mean, I, I think you saw, I mean, obviously there are a couple guys, you know, they said um, uh, there was a disconnect and then there's uh, one that, that forgot the sound and, and those things definitely happen in, in every kind of draft that you're in. But I think what you saw was a lot of people that had their values for their players and you didn't really see any outlandish bids on certain players. Like I think that some of the ones we've talked about is maybe like Gabriel Landeskog because we don't know how, how healthy he's going to be. Um, maybe there, there might've been a, like a couple defensemen that, that maybe went uh, for a little bit more, but what you, I think what you saw with people had a plan, they had set prices for the players that they wanted and players that they were going to target. And they didn't really go foolish on any of them. Um, even the guys that were super expensive, like, like McDavid and Matthews and those, I, I think um, once the market was kind of set, you kind of saw players go for the prices that they should. And I, I think that kind of speaks to the discipline um, of everybody in this draft. And that's probably why they're there in the tier one, because they don't uh, spend foolishly on, on a bunch of players just because they think they might have some upside that they actually don't. And then you see, you, you know, with the conversations that we've had with some of the players, you, you see some of the strategies involved, you know, getting some Nashville or San Jose players for a dollar towards the end of the draft, because you get those, those games over in Europe, you know, Philip Tomasino going for a dollar, maybe you get some extra games, um, out in Nashville. So um, I think you saw people uh, with their dollar amounts, with the strategies that they wanted. Uh, and, you know, def- obviously some people had to pivot as as as, uh, as the draft wore on, but I, I don't think there wasn't a lot where I, you'd look at a price and say, I can't believe somebody paid that. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the acumen um, of the room as a whole. So it'll be definitely be interesting to see who can pull this out because, um, I think you see a lot of teams that are pretty close together in value, and that'll definitely make for an entertaining fantasy season. Yeah, like the draft is obviously a big part of the season. It's not all the season. And like you said, Mike, I think everyone did a pretty good job setting themselves up to now move to the next part, which is to to work that waiver wire and try and figure things out. Uh, Mike, I'm going to uh, I'm going to like you've been with us a while. I think now might be a good time for me to say thank you. Do you want to stick around to chat with the managers or are you good? How are you feeling? Uh, no, I actually have a dinner to go to here <laughs> about 15 minutes. So okay. it'd actually be perfect timing. Uh, where where you told us, like, I know you you have your work at Dauber Hockey. You also mentioned Stochastic. Um, you're at Slim Cliffy on Twitter. Anything else you want to mention or plug before you take off? Uh, no, that's it. Uh, I do work at DauberHockey.com as uh, associate editor. I have two or three ramblings a week where I put together a couple thousand words on season-long fantasy hockey, you know, news, injury updates, line changes, maybe some research that I've done. Uh, the research pieces are mostly over now that uh, the, the season's finally here. I don't have to look back to last year. Um, so if you're interested in season-long fantasy hockey, definitely DauberHockey.com. Um, Stochastic NHL. Um, just go to stochastic.com, S-T-O-K-A-S-T-I-C for uh, DFS and some betting content. Um, me and my podcast partner, Josh Harris, uh, put up some of our favorite season-long bets. Uh, we're pretty hot in the New Jersey Devils this year, so kudos to anybody that drafted Dougie Hamilton, uh, Jack Hughes, and those guys. We, I am definitely on board with you, so we have some betting uh, stuff up there, but it'll be a lot more DFS once the season starts. So just those two sites. And uh, Elon and Brian, thanks again uh, for having me. Um, definitely fun to do this every year. Uh, and it's good practice for me too, because I, I get to see how different people value uh, different players and I can kind of get outside my own head for a second. So 
Uh, good luck to everybody in the league. And thanks once again uh, for having me. This definitely was a blast. Thank you so much, Mike. You crushed it again. Everyone follow Mike at Slim Cliffy, not just for hockey, but I appreciate Mike's other tweets like <laughs> about like world things. Like Mike, I actually, I, I teach is it like you tweet a lot of stuff that I can show my like out of interest, like, isn't this funny or cool or whatever. So I, I look forward to your year in review in uh, it's going to start around December. I hope. All right. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm glad not <laughs> all my tweets are too vulgar for it. For, uh, <laughs> some, some of them are, I don't just oh, load your Twitter feed. I'm careful, but yeah. Mike is a great Twitter curator as well. And a great hockey mind. So thank you. Nailed it. Um, follow him at slim cliffy. And now Let's open the floor for the last few minutes uh, for any managers who are still present and not too exhausted. Like you got, I've been talking with Mike for most of this time. You've been thinking and watching really hard. I'm not sure you might be more exhausted than I am, Um, but I'm curious to hear someone's thoughts. If you want to throw your hand up uh, virtually or physically, I'd be happy to, to call on you. But Elon, I see you're already raring to go here. So why don't you... Oh no, you're not. No, I was okay. just waving goodbye to Mike. No, I definitely want to oh, chat you, with the, with the okay. crew. Okay, well, you're you're unmuted, so I also thought that meant you're. I'm uh... always unmuted because I <laughs> use a separate app called Mutify, so that I, so I can control my muting from my keyboard. A little pro tip as a podcaster. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you and apologize to everybody that my that you will hear more noise than you normally would have during a, a regular Keeping Carlson show, but that's just the nature of the live broadcast here with a million things happening. Okay. Um, Anybody feel like uh, like stepping up to the floor to be the first one? Max? Max? Okay, Max. Putting a lot of trust in you here. <laughs> How are you feeling about your day? Uh, we lost Max. Oh. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, there you are. Oh, sorry, I muted myself. So I'm going to run quick, so I thought I'd just jump in. Um, good job, everybody. <laughs> that's that's very friendly so are you uh who do you think has the better chance after this draft of being the first two-time champion in the cup fall between you and elon i don't know i mean <laughs> i feel pretty confident with my team this year but like you never know until things really start going so i'm feeling happy i had a few kind of iffy moments but i think i recovered all right yeah so you started off with uh mckinnon early was a big splash. Marner, also another big splash. You had Georgiev and Matt Murray as your goalies, which was an exciting, yeah, exciting tandem. Goalies. Yeah, I was hoping to spend less than 25 on goalies. So I was happy to kind of uh, snake in a couple starters and just get that out of the way. Yeah, uh, and and you did. I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm yeah. very interested to see how that works out for you. Uh, and like, I don't say that in like, oh, I'm interested. Like, I re- I legitimately am. That's not like a side, a side eye kind of comment. It's definitely a leap of faith with Murray. I think he can make or break some, the early season for me at least. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, thanks a lot, Max, for, for joining us. And then uh, take care in, uh, where are you? When, when, somewhere in Manitoba? Victoria, Victoria. All right. right. All right. Enjoy the beautiful. Yeah. All right. There goes Max. Thanks, Max, for uh, here we go. Trying to be the first two time two time champ. Uh, Who else would like to? uh, I'm just going to let somebody step up, unmute themselves and step up. 
Brandon, what's I'll, up? I'll chat well, for a little you, bit. You don't want to hear what's happening in this room. So I, I... Uh, so I'll, you want me just to kind of recap a few things, a few thoughts? Yeah, well, first, uh, yeah, tell us about how you feel about your draft. I'm going to try and pull up your team now that the Yahoo page is closed. But tell us, uh, yeah, tell us about how do you feel about how your day went today? Well, I was flying very high at the start. Uh, my plan was probably like Dreisaitl or Kaprizov or Kucherov. And I managed to get Kaprizov at $56. And uh, I was kind of planning $68 for Dreisaitl. That's what I got him for last year. But he went for 75 so I managed to get Kaprizov pretty cheap. And then uh, I guess I was feeling kind of lucrative. So I went for Kucherov and I got him at 58. And I thought those were both pretty good values. Uh, I got Vasilevsky last year at, I don't know, 32 or something. And I got him again at 28. I wasn't planning to get him. I was planning to get Markstrom and or Hellebuck. And then I got Hellebuck too. So got a lot of high-end guys and I was riding high. And then... Uh, I got a little tired, I guess. <laughs> I, I uh, pressed a little too many times on Kadri. Yeah, I uh, saw so, you disappointed that you ended up with Kadri. Yeah, like I guess he's a swing, right? It, it's possible it pays off, but but that's where uh, I started to flounder. And then, then uh, the middle of the draft, I was so set on certain guys that I wasn't looking at who's actually good. And I think I was overpaying for some guys like Stutzla. Uh, maybe to Foley and uh, boy, I was starting to reel. It was not great, <laughs> but I think I did all right in the end. Uh, yeah. I got Pooley because of uh, how many times you've talked about him. Uh, Forsling seems decent. Um, and if Couturier comes back for two bucks, uh, I think that saves me on the Cadre pick. Yeah. I like that Couturier pick for sure. Pugliarvi, I'm not talking about him too much this year. I got to say, I'm a little worried that like Edmonton's done. He doesn't really, with him, he doesn't fit in the top six mm-hmm. there. He'll just be cast off. But you mentioned um, another one of your late picks that I did like to make up for. Forsling? Yeah, I think that's a nice depth, depth D option. Also, you joined Joel as being the only ones to draft someone who was not drafted in any cupful division this year. Do you know Who's which that? player that was? Uh, Kakaniemi. It was Yasperi Kakaniemi. Oh, I'm I'm so pumped on him. He was 12. He averaged 12 minutes last year a game, and now he he might be second line center. So if he gets bumped up to like 18, and if he, if he pulls a Couturier, remember he was young, high draft pick, defensive, and then he started getting points. So that's what I'm uh, hoping for. You know, you're the first person who I've heard made that make that like direct analogy between Kakaniemi and Couturier, and. Uh, mm. I'm going to keep an open mind to it. I, I like I like the connections you're making. Elon, you have something to say? Yeah, well, and if you look at the Canes lines in their game against the Panthers, I think that was yesterday, uh, Kakniemi, yes, yeah, entering the second line with Svechnikov and Natchez. So, you know, not too bad. It looks like Jarvis is sticking on the top line with Aho and Taravainen. So if Kakniemi can be centering uh, like Svechnikov, I think that's pretty huge. And then we'll see, obviously, what kind of power play deployment he gets. But I think it's a fun swing at the end. And again, it's like, it'll be easy for Brandon to just drop him if like, you know, two games and he doesn't have a point. It's not as if he's like invested a lot. Yeah, I like it. My other guy that I really wanted was Byram. I think he's going to get at least 53 points, even though he's not. Well, we saw, we saw, what did we see? 3D on the Colorado second power play unit. And I guess that's what happens if you've lost Landeskog and Nachushkin and you have such quality offensive back end players. That's fun. 
Yeah. All right. Taves, Taves yeah. Byram, Newhook, Gerard, and Cout were on the second power play. So yeah, Gerard, Byram, Taves. Cout. Is- we we I remember we, we talked about him on the Martin show. Kaut? I don't yeah, once once upon a, is it Martin? I think so. Yeah. Think so. And then right. also, but with Landeskog yeah. out, actually, it's like Evan Rodriguez and Ichushkin were on the top power play in this practice just today. Actually, yeah, we retweeted it uh, today. So. Oh, McKinnon wasn't there. Okay, so probably take out Rodriguez and put in McKinnon. <laughs> Makar, right. McKinnon, Lekin, and Ranson, and Nichushkin. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks, Brandon, for your thoughts. Yeah, thanks and for having me. For all your graphic design needs, brandonweeb.com. If I haven't Thank said you. it Thank enough, you. there it is. Brandon cleverly put it in his team name. So for anybody <laughs> watching this on YouTube, that was smart. I figured, I figured I'd get a free shout out or two if I did that. Easy. Um, all right, we've got uh who's still hanging around? We got Ryan Lewis, Jordan Harrison, Mark Jordan, and Harrison. I don't know if either of you feel like uh feel like chatting, but we haven't we haven't heard from either one of you yet. Not sure. Sure, I'll chat. I feel like I finally maybe figured out this auction thing this year. <laughs> okay, so this is year what is this year two or three for you? This is year three of being in tier one. And I can say confidently my first year in tier one, I didn't feel that great about auctions because I've only done a few. And then over the years, I've finally kind of figured out, I don't know, a system that works for me anyway. My yes. first year, I didn't feel very good. But this year, I I really think I did a pretty decent job. I'm pretty happy with my team. The only, <laughs> my high-end guys are a little older than I would like. So there might be a little sweating for injury concern. But besides <laughs> that, I'm pretty happy. I mean, I, I, you, you definitely jumped into this auction without, with confidence that you knew what you were doing. You, you were in on Ovechkin, who was the first player taken at 56 bucks. And, and Mike and I like that. Then you got Kreider at 22, Meyer at 44. Like, I like a lot of you. Ottinger, 17, Crosby, 35. Like, I'm going down. You have Bouchard at 14, Bergeron, 20. Tage Thompson, 11. Lekkonen at five. You have a lot of, uh, you know what, for someone whose picks I liked a lot, through the draft and I even like Anders Lee who you got late in the draft for a buck. Um, I feel like I didn't say your name as much as I should have during the broadcast for, <laughs> for this, for this nice collection of players. So you feel, you feel confident. About- yeah. I feel pretty co- more confident than I've been about any of my teams in T1 before. And it seemed like maybe it's just because selective hearing, but every time I picked a player, you guys talked about it and then you're saying good things. I'm like, Oh, that makes me feel good. Reinforce uh, my picks, but Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, I'm I'm happy for you. Like that. This sounds like this has been a, a disappointing experience. Well, it's I, easy to. It's really easy to like plan out what you think's gonna happen, and then it doesn't happen, and then you panic, and then bad things can happen. But this year, I planned like as much leeway as I possibly could without like saying I I'll just do value without picking the guys that I want. And I really picked like I had Timo Meyer. I would have went even higher on him. I was really set on getting Timo Meyer. I also had Eichel really high on my list, but I just couldn't afford to pay. I forget what he went for. I could find he it. Went high. I also had Eichel and I was really I think he went for, for 40, him. if Let's I'm remembering see. right. I got it on the old list here somewhere. I went for 42. Yeah. I had him 42. like 40-ish was my limit. And I was like, eh, center, you know, I wanted him, but that's okay. That was my only regret, I think. Everything missing, else kind of missing out on Eichel. Yeah, missing out on Eichel. Yeah. Well, anyway, for anyone, I'll just say quickly for anyone listening, yeah. if you go to keepingcarlson.com slash auction, that'll link to the draft results here. So for anyone like four hours into the podcast and now want to see a final, uh, Brian will put in the show notes, I guess, up high so that people can see it right away. But yeah, it's a spoiler for people who haven't listened but at this point. Yeah. People want to follow along. Sorry, Jordan, you were saying. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, me and Ben have been bouncing ideas a lot and, 
uh just shout out to him on Crowder. <laughs> yeah. I was I was prepared to go even higher on Crowder too. I, I was really happy with twenty two dollars on Crowder. Obviously the regression a little bit, but I'm not too too worried at twenty two dollars. Yeah. I think you I think you accounted for it as Mike and I were saying for you know even if Crowder does regress to what we expected, uh, that's still a really nice total and. There's a chance. There's a chance he falls between where he's been and where he, like historically, and where he was last year. That he still can approach what he did last year with a little less shooting luck, but a little more confidence and maybe having figured things out. So yeah, your your team, your team looks menacing. I think uh, I like what you've put together, and I know how great you are with in season moves and trades too. Our strength. Yeah, yours if anyone from- wants trades, I'm your guy. Last year, I think I did 14 trades in tier one. And if I'm being completely honest, I think I would have got relegated if I didn't do like all my trades. Like obviously some were worse than others, but some really have benefited me to the point that it like made my team. So I'm always open. You and I made a trade several years. Maybe it was three years ago, three or four years ago. I can't remember what it was. I don't, do you remember? This is, this is, uh, but like it was, was Monaghan involved somehow? Like I feel, I don't know. I, was, I do remember Monaghan. Yeah, I do remember I, Monaghan. I, I ached over it. I ached <laughs> over the discussion and I ached after, like it, it was not, a. but I, you you were a very fair negotiator and I appreciate that about you. Um, yeah, I, try to, I try to be, you know. You yeah. don't have to do it. It's up to you. I don't try to force anything on anyone that they don't want to yeah. do. You just kind of lay it out there and then they yeah. make their own decision, you know? Yeah. And that's a real asset in fantasy. All right. Thanks, Jordan, for for taking giving us a, a quick tour of your team and your thoughts. And thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. Um, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, we've got two minutes left. Does anyone, uh, like Harrison, uh, did you want a chance to, to come on and say hi? Are you happy? You happy where you're at? Sure. Yeah, I can hop in. Okay, so Harrison, this is uh, I mean, second year. This is your second year in Tier One. I can't remember if if we have crossed paths somewhere along the way. Like I know you've been in fat, you've been in fast track contention before, right? Yeah, I've never crossed tracks with you because I uh, basically I went from Tier Five to Tier Four. I won Tier Four, went to Tier Two. Yeah, came in second uh, Tier Two to Jeremy V, and then. Tier one last last season and then this season as well. Yeah, and I yeah. was definitely impressive to still be in tier one because only six of us got to stick around. It's, and uh, I, I yeah, that was kind of my goal because I obviously I mean I've never done an auction draft before, so I had no idea what to expect. It's harder. Really, it's I was hard, trying it, to win, I but think, like just just staying in tier one. I think it's harder more to comfortable. Yeah. It's harder to stay in tier one, I think, than it is to get there. So kudos to you for doing that. Um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to like, I'll, I'll just recap your team. So you got, you got Gensel for 40, Zabanejad 33, Hughes 32, Vander Kane 37. And then everybody else you added was under $16. That was Seth Jones. And then, uh, like you had Gibson uh, and Allen is your goalie tandem for a combined 13 bucks. Pionk, Ferraro and Dunn. So I see you faded D, um, taking your guys pretty late was that you said you 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 shared that like you put too much time into preparing for this draft did that prep time uh, help like was was this the plan um I, so i i had so many more guys i would like to have on my roster so maybe i went a little too deep in my research but um yeah i always like to try to go studs and duds and definitely always fade d i think d's a trap to be honest especially the high-end guys um, hmm. I'd much rather get a forward who's way more reliable because I think the two utility slots, especially allow you just to stack forwards. 
But uh, one thing this year, which I was very uncertain of, is typically I like to play the schedule a bunch with off day games. And I'm sure everyone's noticed, but uh, the off days this year are awful. I mean, it's pretty much only Anaheim. So yeah, I, I do I do worry if I if I can get all my uh, like high end forwards into my lineups as regularly as I typically do. But I got some decent D, so I'm not mad. Um, as long as they can like stay on my roster, at least two or three, I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. I mean, I like your late swing on Vince Dunn. I think that's a, that's a good shot to take. And I hope he's rosterable and not like, you know, my, his downside is like Nick Letty-ish, right. Where he's someone who doesn't do much and is only paid like peripherally and only paces for 40, 45 points. But if, if Seattle's figured things out, and as Mike mentioned, when we were chatting, Seattle's added firepower this year. So hopefully Dunn can be someone who catches in on that. And we also really liked your Arvidsson pick late in the draft for a dollar as um oh you also have carter hart in your goalie tandem which i didn't mention how do you feel about michael bunting he seems like um like for eight dollars he could provide some good value he might even see some time on the top power play yeah while Tavares is hurt i mean if you can catch fire early that's fine with me um yeah typically you know my bottom of the roster guys i'd like to spend maybe less than eight dollars but i think the way this draft was going is there was so much um so many players and so little money like around the middle of the draft that like I wasn't going to be able to fill my roster with like $1 guys. So I was just trying to pick, you know, snipe my guys per se. Yeah. I'm look, by the way, bunting, I think was really good. And yeah, he's been net front on the power play and who knows how long Tavares will be out, but like, uh, yeah, I've, I'm looking at free agency and it's like bear, like, I guess like that's another sign of a good division that I feel like every single player I had on my radar got drafted. And then it's just like the rest of free agency. Like I can't even decide, like I have three injured players. I'm trying to look at now who I'm going to put some claims on. And it's like, everyone sucks. I just hope my players get healthy. Is the uh, schedule that's appearing on Yahoo. Is that the real schedule? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Which part of it? Lewis the, wants to the, know if he's I against know if you and me are against each other in week one with all your um, injured guests. Uh, I mean, I'll replace them in time because we we get free ads up until the, oh, until the first I know. day. But, you know, <laughs> they're not going to be the guys that you drafted. That's true. Well, some of these injured guys, I think, are not actually injured. You know, whatever. They're just saying that we still have a couple of weeks, right? Except aside from Nashville and San Jose, the rest of the league still has almost yeah over a week to go. So I, I'm not, I'm not too too worried. It's just fun always to be able to pull some people in early. But like I have Chikrin, who I think I don't know, Zegris and Mikhaev. I think all of them might be ready. Maybe not Chikrin. All right. Any final thoughts from uh, Elon? Maybe I'll I'll leave or from anybody, and then Elon, I'll give you the last word as the defending champ. Is is there anyone else who has a a, a comment to make to or at their competitors or or in general? I would just like to say that I don't think I've seen Lewis before, and he's quite handsome. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. You should come. Me and me and Ben are doing uh, Twitch live streams with John Reed's awesome overlay graphics and stuff. So check out uh, our live stream, or we even did. We our episode is still up on uh, on the Keeping Carlson Twitch uh, between like a bunch of uh, Chell games, right? Yeah, it's up, it's up to everyone to decide which one's more entertaining. <laughs> should should we do, you know how like they just released a list of like the 32 coaches all ranked by who's the most handsome? Should we do that for tier one competitors and get Leave Brandon's list? 
Yeah, I'm I'm up for that. I'm, wait, well, I'm waiting. Yeah, s- someone trained some AI. Oh, they didn't do a very good job. The list no, was Brandon's absurd, got. by the way. If you looked at it, the list was bizarre. It didn't make sense. Yeah, they had um, Sutter a lot higher than I would have expected. <laughs> no shade. I've already forgotten his name, but the is it Guy Boucher was like the Bond looking villain from yeah. uh, Tampa yeah, Bay because he that had that badass scar. He's number yeah. one for me. A scar goes a long way for me. <laughs> But right, I guess this is still a uh, part of the show. So maybe yeah. we should wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> Elon, do you, do you want to? Thanks, everybody. Lots of fun. Yeah. Thanks to uh, all our drafters today for being here, going through the gauntlet in front of the world. Um, as you guys set off on what will be a stressful, but hopefully ultimately rewarding journey towards the couple ultimate champion title. Elon is the defending. You, you, I'm no longer calling you the couple ultimate champion the moment this season begins, which arguably is today. Uh, so uh, I'm going to hand you the last words to close out the show. What'd you like to say? So who would, so if someone else won last year, you would have given it to someone else to close out the show. I'll, I'll just take it as like, you know, the person who makes the show, because I don't really have anything to say as the defending champ. Like I obviously I got lucky in lots of ways. There's a lot of luck that goes into fantasy hockey last season with COVID and everything. Like I've been obviously taking my, flowers and trying to brag as much as I can because you know this is never probably going to happen again in my life but uh, I know the last season was weird and there's a very good chance that I will end up in 14th this season because it's a yeah it's a whole uh, league of sharks but yeah this has been a really fun draft I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of because that's the thing also with an auction draft is it goes by so quickly and you don't really have a, a chance to plan like as the bids are coming so I don't even maybe remember like I'll try to like play a little game with myself now and see if I could actually remember who's on my team without looking at it before uh, before I start really scouring and seeing what happened and how, how this all happened. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Anyone who made it four plus hours into the show, I guess we're almost at four and a half hours. We Do you want to drop ha- a hashtag? Yeah, let's drop a hashtag here. Uh, it's how about you know we did our little bit at the end and then Doc Brown was like, "It's not you, it's your picks." So what about it's your picks? Is the hashtag with no apostrophe because that'll break the hashtag. Yeah, we'll work that way. It's your picks. Hashtag it's your picks. If you made it to the end. Thank you, Elon. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening and for drafting and for being here. If you want to stay up to date with the Cacupful, KKUPFL.com. You can follow the league all year long. Also, um, you can get all the resources at KKUPFL.com uh, to improve your own team. Uh, follow Cacupful wide trends. Everything you need. Well, yeah, well, we just post, we posted the ADPs for all yeah. the 41 couple drafts. I think if, if anyone listening still hasn't done their draft or even just wants to like look at their league's free agency and get a sense of, you know, who I should be adding and who I should be dropping, take a look at where your player ranks in Kakupful ADP. I promise that this is a more reliable source than Yahoo ADP, assuming your yes. league obviously has similar scoring settings. Uh, but yeah, that's a lot of smart managers that uh, contributed to this. And obviously, thanks to Kevin A. Bear for putting that all together. Uh, also, Invaluable mention- is a data point when you're making those drafts decisions go Elon. definitely yeah uh, also yeah just uh, check out our you know all the people that are here in the draft our patrons of keeping carlson we really appreciate your support and if anyone wants to uh join in uh, and join the fun over on our discord you know we got a couple weeks before the season starts even less and so you can come in talk about your drafts ask about like who i should uh, a quick tip 
if you come in and then you drop a picture of your team and you're like, how'd I do or something? I don't think anyone's going to give you anything too useful, right? I'll probably just write good job. Looks great. But if you wanted to, you know, drop, uh, drop in and say like, here are the bottom guys on my team and here are some people in free agency. What do you recommend? You know, then I could give you some actionable advice. So come join the discard and we can make sure you have the strongest possible team going in to the season. We have a lot of smart people here. And also Brian and I, you know, do some other little things for the patrons, but I guess we've been blabbing. So yeah, keepingcarls.com slash patron for all that info. As far as content goes, I don't know. Right now we're exhausted, but definitely Brian and I will put a show together for you next weekend. But my wife is actually very pregnant. So there's a chance I won't be there, but the plan right now is that I'll still be able to be there. And I guess next weekend's show will just be talking about those two games in Switzerland between the Sharks and the Preds, but probably also just like wrapping up everything from the preseason and, you know, players that we have on our radars going into the week. And then before you know, we're going to get Dave Benton's stream scheme next weekend, looking at the schedule for the first week. We're going to have Ben and Lewis with short shifts. So you just got to be subscribed to keeping carlson on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you're gonna get all these great shows okay for free so thanks again everyone outro music cue it okay the outro music is playing and i'm ready to say brian are you gonna list some credits or should we just say goodbye here all right brian take it away really quickly this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dabra hockey and powered by our patrons i don't have it up no edits on this episode, so that's Uh-oh. okay. Powered by the patrons. Including our websites. super supporters, Aaron, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, and Patty. To all our drafters today, thank you so much for putting yourselves out there. To all our patrons, all our listeners, thank you. We are so excited that we are this close to another fancy hockey season. Uh, we use Yahoo for the draft. We use fan tracks for other stuff. We use everything for everything. We, we reference everything. Uh, follow Mike Clifford at Slim Clivy. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Until then, please remember to try and do something to help make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.